0: Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here, and you are listening to Talkin' Schmidt. Yay! Just give it the all-cause try right here. big dog's in. Schmitty! What do you think, Schmidt? He could just pull shit off. Talkin' Schmidt. he is so fucking bitchy.
1: Shit <laughs> my pants! Let You roll the decks, it's fucking deep. Are you ready? Come on, Schmidt. I'm yeah! here for
0: hello we are back i am back this is schmitty it's talking schmidt as the name of my podcast i got here and i got so hyped that we just started rapping and talking for days i was like damn <laughs> we gotta record this what are we doing but here he is east bay legend kids we got ron allen in this
1: house
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah Talking Schmidt. I'm <laughs> um, talking Schmidt. You like that? I love that. That is dope. I, <laughs> that makes me even more stoked to be part of Talking Schmidt, as an MC that talks Schmidt a lot. Yeah. You know, Talking Schmidt.
0: It's cool. We're over at Ron's house here in uh, Emeryville, and I just had some Burma Superstar and skated the vert ramp, and now I'm catching up with Ron and uh, you all are lucky. So uh, I want to start with Born and Raised.
1: Born in Jacksonville, Florida. Oh. It's Navy kid. Then moved out to California to, like, the Lamore Naval Air Station and was raised in Visalia. Ooh. V-I-S-A-L-A. Jesse Paez territory. Jesse Paez, Tom Knox. Yes. yes. Uh, God, the Zip. God, the names of uh, Brit Fellows. Karma Toshif. Yeah. Alan was down there somewhere. Peterson. Yeah, Alan Peterson. That's Fresno. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. an Yeah, How long were you there till? I saw probably from, I'd say like like somewhere around third grade, second grade all the way to like high school, like oh. all the way through. So like I was in Visalia, like born and raised. And so you discovered skateboarding in Visalia? In Visalia with my really good homie, Scott Obradovich. But before Obradovich showed up on the scene, we had a board that me and this kid, Arthur McCorkendale, and this kid Bubsy, we had we shared one board. The, like four of us, kind of made or put a piece of wood on the side of a, a side of a fence, and had one board. And you pushed out in front, you ran and jumped on it, skated, did a kick turn, came back. Next dude did their thing. And then you rode shambled for the weekend to see if you got to take the board home. No way. And then like I, you know, I lost my shit. So my parents <laughs> bought me one for Christmas. That like somewhere around the like, 11 or 12 year, like I got the board for Christmas, but. They're like, why are you coming home so bummed? Because I didn't get the board. Like,
0: you
1: know, so that was kind of like. But then that's when, like, Scott came and skated our ramp. And someone was like, someone's skating you guys' ramp. And we were like, what? And we went over there. And that was my friend Scott Obradovich. And we met him. And he was older. And he was going to get a car. So we had a little Datsun B two hundred and ten station wagon, okay, and that became the road trip machine. Nice, like, went to L A like so many times to skate parks and just like Whittier and Big O and his his family. His friends lived in Fountain Valley, so we could stay in Fountain Valley and go to the skate park, all all these places. So hmm. we were early days kids trying to like. Just, like, seeing all the, like, new teams, and I remember, like, like seeing Lance Mountain for the first time, or Mike Smith for the first time, or, you know, and they were all skating, and, like, we went to a... Like con- at skate parks? So. Yeah, like at Whittier, we saw those guys, and okay. that was, like, amazing to us. It was just, like, they were so good, you know.
0: Nice. Do you remember what your first board was?
1: Well, see, okay, I'm older, so... <laughs> My first boards were like, okay, my friend Pete, like he's a really good skateboarder. He's yeah. sneak to the wood shop next door to his house, and he would cut these Logan Earthsky shapes. So if you can imagine Logan Earthsky, which is like the first one of the earliest board companies. I think
0: that's what Keith Cochran said was his first.
1: Yeah, Logan Earthsky. Yeah. Okay, and so he would cut, and then he would like glue the wedge tail onto the flat board with some wood clamps and throw it in the back of the shed so no one would see it. And then he would take it out, like, so they would leave at 5, he'd call in about 6.30 yeah. and give me my board, which was a wedge tail, sort of faux Logan Ersky, like, so, you know what I mean? Like, it was not, like, Logan Ersky probably used a uh, solid oak, we probably had solid oak, but he just borrowed it from the carpenter somewhere, oh. and... So custom, he, yeah, like it was <laughs> way custom, and right? like it was, and I remember it had wedged. The tail was wedged with super glue and wood glue, and then it had clamps. So that, and so he had to wait. So it was thrown in the back, and he had to wait like twenty four hours for it to dry. Okay. So because you could, if if it didn't, it could stomp on it. It Would kind of move, and then it would be off centered. So it was like one of the funniest. Like Pete McGinnis used to make me my boards, like no that way. were old, old sort of wannabe Logan Erskys. You know, huh. so that's like wait, that's like 70, I want to say like 72 or something like that. You wow. know, like seven. I would say, yeah, cause we were in junior high and yeah, Pete was like, like so I'd say like 73, 74. So we graduated high school at 80, so senior. Yeah, about my freshman year, 76. So yeah, 75, 74 we in junior high and Pete's like making boards out of the fucking wood shop. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. And he had a ramp, like he had a ramp that we would skate all the time. And like he was always the guy that did most of the tricks. So we were always kind of like in awe of him. He did like, you know, airs and inverts. And and it was just rad skating yeah. with him.
0: What was his influence? Like where was he getting these ideas from? He
1: kept going to Fresno. Like he would like go to the Ark and skate the Ark and see oh. Chuck Gillette, or he'd go. Eric Suda at like the Mogul Bowl in Fresno. He would take the road trip and go to Fresno right. and see these rad skaters, and then come back. Yep. My whole life has been based off of like having people go see rad skaters and come back and gleaning evidence off of them. Uh-huh. You know, like what did you see? What did you see? Yeah. What did you see? Like Jim Thibault would go and skate with Rodney and come back and like, what did you see Rodney do? <laughs> and then Jim would show you, and then you'd be like, oh shit, you know. And then, but Jim would have his own way of doing it, so sometimes it <laughs> wouldn't be what Rodney would show Jim, and Jim would change it a little so it would work for him. He would show you what Rodney showed you, then you would change it, and then people would be like, dude, that's your own shit. You're like, well, no, actually, I'm trying to do Rodney, but I can't. (laughs) But I saw from Jim, Jim couldn't do Rodney, but he showed me, so this is third generation Rodney.
0: (laughs) It's like the story that starts this one thing, and by the third
1: generation, it's like, and I won the lottery! (laughs) (laughs) It's like, Rodney showed Jim Jim like maybe like was like, oh dude, this is sick and then showed me, but by the time he showed me, he was like, he could like I remember one foot. Jim showed me what Rodney did. Mm. So then I did a, a one foot so wrong, but then it became kind of my signature trick. Like, Rodney's one foot's like this. It's like, well no, it's third generation Rodney. Rodney showed Jim, Jim showed me. Here's what you get. Right. It's like, all right. Damn. That's sick. <laughs>
0: So, did you get sponsored when you were in Visalia or did that happen later?
1: No, nah, yeah, that's none of that. I was, I was mostly writing for a toy store, which was my friend Mike Barlow's mom. She was, uh, what was it, Toys? It wasn't Toys or Us. It might have been Toys or Us early days. And oh. she was running a Toys or Us. And so we were like literally like, we would be like going to her for, I wrote a Veriflex. When I started getting better boards, I would get a Veriflex Elgato oh. from, to- from the toy store. Right. And then you know if something happened, she would like send it back and get if it broke or something like that. So yeah, we were getting boards from the toy store. No way, it was so cool. Like she would, her, and my friend Mike's mom, she was like the skate mom. We'd all she just bit a quarter pipe at her house. His dad had a pool table, so we were like chill at the house all the time. They had like a pool and stuff, so we were always chilling at their house. It was like a skate house. Yeah, you know, playing pool when it's too hot. Then when it's cool, you go skate. You know, jumping. Yeah, because it's hot as shit down there. Oh my god, Visalia. People used to make fun of me (laughs) in Visalia because I used to wear this big floppy hat and skate everywhere. Didn't have no car. Yeah, so skate everywhere. Right. So I would, you know, you skate five miles to skate a ramp. Like, I used to skate this kid Curtis's ramp, and then, like, you'd have to leave early in the morning. You'd have to get up, like, train. You'd have to get up at, like, 8. Summer, you'd have to skate to Curtis's, and it'd be like, you'd have to call him, and he'd be like, okay, you guys, it's cool to come. Because he had, like, a 32-foot-wide vert ramp. So we were like, Dude, in what year? This was like this in the early eighties. Eighties. Like this is like, I want to say, I want to say like early, like it's the summer between in high school. So like this, like the summer between my junior and senior year, the summer between my sophomore and junior year. Whoa. We'd be calling up these guys who had ramps, but you know they you couldn't skate them. You know their parents would be like, no, you guys can't show up. Or, or you'd be like nine o'clock, and their parents would be show up at three thirty. So you'd be like, what the fuck am I going to do for six hours, you know? So you'd go do, like, step hops on the curb at Baskin-Robbins. <laughs> oh, my God. You'd I spend I spent time getting kicked out of the mall, curbs, like, skating the curbs at Baskin-Robbins. And then, like, you found, like, I remember finding out that you could skate a gas station, the little bumps you could kind of do tricks on. huh. I remember, like, just getting kicked out of everywhere. Like, right. Just being notorious. Yeah, and I was just a kid skater, but it's just everywhere I went in Viseu, they'd be like, "Get the fuck out of here!" I'm like, "Okay, hi, bye." And, and then
0: what? What year did you move to Oakland?
1: Well, like that. See, I I left Viseu to go to school to to Santa Barbara. Oh, so I went to so I got accepted to UC Santa Barbara, and I went to go to college there, and I brought my skateboard. And I love Vista. I love Vista. <laughs> oh boy. And like they I remember they had this little EOP program, where it's the educational opportunity program where they were like all the people like there's like the blacks and the latinos and the asian people who kind of hadn't were going to school for before like how to deal with each school or something. Right. And those people were really fucking mean to me cuz I rode a skateboard. Yeah. They would say shit like you try to be a white boy and all this and I I was like, man, you know, I came to this school here at UCSB, and it's a fucking playground, there's a lot of shit to skate here. This was prior to all the shit that went down there. I remember just going, looking around, going, damn, you know, like different parts of that campus. I can remember the first day skating there as a freshman, and then like two or three years skating there and seeing just shit go down. Like, big shit downstairs, railings. I remember Brandon Chapman showed us, he he showed us one night, he did a railing at the music building, which was like a two, three stair railing, but at that time, no one had done anything. And he came over to the house, like he came over to Kurt Zapata's house and was like, I'm totally on mushrooms, but you have to see this. And we're like, (laughs) what? And he took us back to the rail, and he slid it. And he was like, I'm on mushrooms right now. And we're like, and you slid the rail. And he goes, it's kind of like... A piece of a ledge down the stairs. And I'll never forget that because it was just like a piece of the ledge. He goes, Yeah, the part that you grind, that's the handrail. Look at it like that. And I remember going, whoa that's true like a piece of ledge like like if you took away all the ledge and there's just a piece of ledge down the yeah. he, he didn't look at it like a railing he looked at it like a piece of a ledge down some stairs i was like you are sick with it <laughs> you were sick with it red and that's why you did it because you didn't look at it like i could not yeah i could just you know board slide and come off and he did oh. and i remember we were all like we weren't on mushrooms but not we were because we had never seen it before and then he did it and we were right. just like So, like, we were like, fuck, dude. Like, and that was one of the early days of like Brandon Chapman and going, like, Kurt Zapata. I lived with him for a while before I even came back to school there. I just, I kind of had this Isla Vista existence, which I don't know how. Like, I was such a (laughs) troll. Like, I lived on people's couches. I didn't steal or do anything ill, but I'm, I, I think I, like, fucked on a lot of and hung out. <laughs> like, I just had this crazy existence there to a point where I finally had to leave. Like, it was just like, oh, God, I got to get out of here, man. This yeah. is crazy. One but too yeah. many
0: Halloweens in Ala
1: Vista oh can ruin your life. Oh, my God. I've <laughs> seen curb jobs there. I've seen so many things in Ala Vista that were life-changing. Yeah. Like, it was like I had to get out it's of there. It's a like, big party town. Oh, my God. I remember when, before it was crazy parties, party town. Before it was like gnarly. There, it was cool party town. So oh. you'd go to Del Playa, the Beach Street, yep. and you'd stop by the first house and they'd have margaritas. Get your margarita on. Then you'd go down to the next house and they'd have screwdrivers. And you're like, fuck yeah. And then you'd go to the next house and they'd have daiquiris. Yeah. And it was hilarious how that would work. Like I, as a kid coming up in Isla Vista, you'd go, damn, this is kind of cool. Like you could go to these, little, these houses and they all have like a different drink and there's like different people kicking it and chicks. And you know, it was cool. Like I met this woman, like I met this woman there in Isla Vista who I wound up, she walked out of a party and she said to me, oh, like, uh, act like my boyfriend, this dude's hitting on me. And so I wind up acting like her boyfriend like for seven years. It was crazy. It was <laughs> nuts like that. It was nuts. So much fun stuff. Like Isla Vista was, but then it got like crazy, it got fight, a lot of fights. And that yeah. was kind of how it turned from being kind of cool. To being like kind of like gnarly. A little more know? jockey. Yeah, like the, like, see, back then it, it wasn't the jocks, it was more of like the hippies. Oh. So it was like, and Isla Vista was okay, like before like it got jockey, it was all hippie, kind of almost like Berkeley, like, oh, you know, come uh, and chill out and hang yeah. out. And so, and then it got jockey, and once it got jockey, it got fighty and, you know, people doing dumb shit. and yep. just, just got horrible but I was really glad like once again just you're glad that you were there during that period of time because mm. it was you you look back and you go damn it will never be like that again right You know what I mean and and I think there was a big gnarly car some dude drove his car through the thing and killed a bunch of people or hit some people and it got gnarly there and like you can tell that though that mass amount of people but at that time and I would say I went to college in 81 82 so that was like isla vista was pretty chill then right but then like i wouldn't say i'd say like less than 10 years later 91 92 it uh, became what people know it that, as. that's when know. i was
0: going there like <laughs> 89 to 91 like my friends were in school there and i would go there for uh halloween and they would shut down the whole city oh yeah and it was i mean you would walk in house to house to house and it was totally cool like what do you guys got okay let's yeah, get some beer yeah. oh shots yeah, oh margaritas yeah, whatever it yeah. was a lot of the rugs were covered in chewing tobacco or just spilt beer or whatever, but it was like, holy shit, this is just a party city. Yeah, party capital of <laughs> the world. It's just like Chico, basically. Those are the two places. Chico on the beach. That's yeah, Chico said. on the beach. Chico on the beach.
1: Yeah. Here. And I remember like I had a girlfriend that lived on Del Playa, and she would be like, it's so crazy here at night. And it was kind of like Halloween was the penultimate, right. but it was pretty much like that on every Friday night. And so then, did you go from there to Oakland? Well, I I, yeah, so Visalia sort of, like, you know, did the the school thing, went to school there, and then sort of, like, I remember the, the thing that came kind of across the wire was this, I had, like, met, I met a woman and came up to Berkeley to hang out with her, and Jim was, and I was talking to a dude about skate camp. And so we, I talked Jim and Karen Zapata and Fish, and we all went to Visalia, Bob G's, skateboard camp in supposedly Reedley. And so that's where, for that was kind of the beginning of all of our, for me it was the beginning of my skate career because that's where I met Mike Ternaski and all that craziness, but it was like, You know, Karen went down, and then she saw it, and she didn't like it, so she left and went back up. Oh. And so she, because she, at the time she was riding for SMA, she was, like, one of the first women sponsored by a board company in that time, like, ripping it, like, you know, street and everything. So she came down to skate camp, didn't like it, left. Fish stayed, and me and Jim and Fish stayed, and we worked skate camp. That was Karen who? Karen Zapata, who our friend Kurt's, like, sister. Okay. Like, that's so funny, like, and she's, like, one of the early, like, for me... That's why skateboarding has always been, like, there's been females and males always in skateboarding. Because, like, like the Zapata brothers had their sister, Karen. Yeah. There's always been, like, some... Somebody. Yeah, some woman skateboarding, you know what I mean? Like exactly. Well, it's kind of like what I was clowning. I was clowning the X Games because I was watching X Games Shanghai. And I was like, wow, I was watching the motocross and the BMX divisions. And I was like, wow, skateboarding is really one of the most equal sports or equal whatever X games because they don't even change the course between the women and the men. They go, hey women, check this out. The dude's got a 12 stair and so do you. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Well, here I was watching the, in the BMX thing. There wasn't a woman jumper and there wasn't a woman on a motocross bike. And I was uh-huh. like, well, wait, I'm sure that in this $2 billion dollar billion person world we live in, yeah. there is. got to be a woman who goes on a motocross bike and goes over the top of her. right? And there's got to be a woman that does a little couple flips on yeah. a BMX, and yet here we are, 2019. Hello BMX, hello <laughs> motocross. Yeah. So misogynistic, all men. Right? Not a, I mean, not even a woman in the demo crew. Can they show her off? Or no, it's just no women. Sorry. And oh. I'm like, whoa! If you take skateboarding, the skateboards courses. That the dudes skate, the women skate too. They don't go, okay, well, let's change the rail because now the women are coming.
0: Yeah, the vert ramp doesn't drop like three feet. No, no, (laughs) no. So
1: skateboarding to me is one of the most equal when it comes to dealing with women in it. One of the most equal because it doesn't change. And and like I was like, what, are they afraid that a young woman's going to come up short on a jump? Well, I'm afraid a young man's going to come up short on a jump. Here we are, 2019, on TV, Shanghai, we're fucking there, this is right there, and what are they showing us? Dudes. I was like, wow, ABC got away with that, too. I was like, because that's X Games, you know, ESPN and all that shit. It's like, how'd you guys pull that one off? Well, mm. we're
0: putting them on blast, so that might not be it for long. Boom! <laughs> Boom! <laughs> hey, talking just Talk change the Schmidt. X Games. Boom! Women are now in BMX. But it
1: should be. It's oh, just... God damn it. Oh, no.
0: All right, we're going to take a little break and hear from some of our friends, and we'll be right back.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> I got
0: so excited from the uh, women being into X Games uh, yeah,
1: but, BMX. Well, it's true though. <laughs> it's it's really it's. I mean, I don't mean to say that. I don't mean to sound like mis, like it's misogynistic purposely. I don't know. Right. I don't think I don't want to give them too much credit. But I but I do think in a way it's kind of like, wow, you talk to the you you show dudes doing things on BMX bikes and on you know, motorcycles, yet you don't show women. It's like, I'm, I just, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't get it. Like, it's like, okay, you can show women on a skateboard, but you can't show them on a 250cc motorcycle.
0: Yeah. And women don't even have to wear cups. Like, it might be a little more dangerous for men. It might be. <laughs> I
1: didn't even think about that. <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah. men coming up short, losing <laughs> that losing that like yeah. he's sterile now. Yeah. What happened? Well he crushed his nuts. Yeah. He, what? Uh, not only can he break his phrasing, and crush his nuts.
0: Well, you mentioned um Jim Thebo, who um I, I'm curious to how you actually met him
1: then. <laughs> I have the Jim Thebow connection. No. Okay, so Jim Thebow. It wasn't through Rodney. No, actually was it. Wasn't. It was through Jeff Clint. Okay, Jeff Clint and I like Jeff Clint went to San Jose State and one time I was when I was at UC Santa Barbara Jeff Clint said you should come to San you should come to San Jose State and hang out So I jumped in my friend's car and drove to San Jose State to hang out with them The night that I got there Jim and Jeff had decided like to dress up like women (laughs) and go to a fraternity party and then the dudes had figured out that they were, women. <laughs> and were like, chased them away or something. And I showed up, like, like at that that moment, like. And I remember being like, "What are you, like, what are you guys doing?" And they told. I remember being like, "That was just so crazy to me. Like, they were so crazy." And it was Jim and Jeff, and I think they had another friend, but it might have been them too. <laughs> I remember just thinking these guys are the funniest two human beings. I've got to hang out with them. And like, I remember like after that we kind of hung more and then like we didn't even, I don't even remember us at that time, we didn't even skate. But Jim, there was some sort of ramp in Albany and I remember we had all come to visit and we went to the ramp in Albany and Jim skated and Kurt and and Kurt's brother and then I think it was at one of Kurt's brother's friend's house the ramp was at, so we were, Skating there with Jim and, and everybody, and that's kind of when we started. Jim, Jim had, like, a a shard that he kept taped to his helmet that was his good luck shard. <laughs> just, like, that was just, and he was such a character that, like, I remember just me and my friends were always just, like, he was, like, whoa to us. Like, who is this guy? Uh-huh. Like, Jim Thibault? He was just, like, Jim, like, there's a... Jim Thiebaud, get get rad, get make everybody get mad. <laughs> Jim Thiebaud, get rad. Jimmy Thiebaud, Jimmy Thiebaud! Go do it, get rad. Go do it, make everybody mad. I say now, go do it, get shit.
0: Go do it,
1: make everybody shit. Like, I think it's even the monster. I remember just, he just had such a, like a, he used to come over, after we became really good friends, he would come over to my house every morning to take his coffee shit. And I would be like, You just come to my house to take your coffee. Shit. <laughs> he You put his coffee down, walk into my bathroom, take a shit, come out, get his coffee. Like, okay, where are we skating today? That's amazing. And I'd be like, Tim, you know, you just come to my house to take a coffee shit. You don't even care. Like, you don't care about me. Like, dude. And he's like, Yeah, dude, i come by and pick you up. Your bathroom's just comfortable. Like, they good good shit in there. Like, fucking, well, all right, cool. <laughs> wow. go, let me go to Willard and I'll show you tricks that Rodney showed me from Palm. <laughs> that was like what it was, wow and so but that was like him like like early on it' was like Jim Jim and Jeff at San Jose State, and then somehow like before either either somehow in that too it was me going Jeff going to Davis and me kind of following Jeff up to Davis, sort of like that, the college friend that you wish would go away, but didn't, I was that guy like Jeff was like. You're with, I'm in Davis now, Ron. Like, I'm trying to get this school thing done. I'm like, and I'm sleeping on your floor. And he's just like, I know, dude, you know. And I'm like, he said like, my roommates want you to pay for rent. And I'm like, dude, I don't have no job or nothing. How am I going to pay for rent? And I go, dude, we should have a skateboard contest. And he goes, okay. And I go, because that, that little plaza, like, right down in the middle of the park, we could, like, put some ramps and stuff there. And we could, like, charge people some money. And we could have a skateboard contest. And Jeff was kind of like... Yeah, okay, you know, that'd be cool, I guess. I go, if we made enough money, we could pay it rent. Right. And he's like, well, we could just get jobs? Like, jobs, Like, just do this, dude. So, I go, man, we were the Me- we, we worked for a Mexican restaurant. We were this bull, like we had the Rochambeau who was the front and the back. And if you got the back, you were the back of the bull. And like, you dude, it was this bull costume, it was hilarious. <laughs> so then like, so Jeff's like, we start the contest, everything's fine, kid falls on his face. Boom, puts his teeth. I remember Dean Yamada fell on the railing, on the flat bar, put his tooth through his, like his tongue. Oh. And then somebody went off the jump ramp and broke their arm. Jeff looked at me and was like, I'm out of here. And I remember being like, Jeff, come back here. Jeff, come <laughs> back here. He's out. I was like, I don't yeah. know what to do with this. I was like, Jeff, I'm going to handle this by myself. And I actually did. I handled the whole contest. and then, But the name of the contest was Shackle Me Not no way how funny is that okay <laughs> the the i said why do you call it shackle me not so the story was jeff was watching some sort of skateboard contest and somebody ate shit and when they ate shit the announcer said oh shackled and so jeff was like <laughs> golly shackled must be the gnarliest thing ever like sh- like like sh- shackled must be gnarlier than wilson Narland's body slam, all the different slams. He had heard all the slams, but he had never heard shackled. So he went, "Shackle me not." What the fuck? Shakespearean.
0: (laughs) That's amazing.
1: Shackle me not. Like I don't want to fall. Yeah. If I say, "Shackle me not," like I won't fall. No one will fall. No one will get hurt. It was like.
0: Hey, if we were filming right now, I would put my hand over the lens and mark that because that's some knowledge
1: right there. That was so hilarious, though. Jeff's idea of, because of some announcer from watching some skateboard video contest-wise, someone falling and him saying that, Jeff had never heard it. So he just drew his own sort of like, that must be the gnarliest thing. So if I say shackle me not... Then if I put Shakumin on this flyer for this contest, no one will get injured. Well, after sitting there seeing the kid put the tongue through the his teeth through the tongue, and then you know he was just like it's obvious it obviously didn't work for him. That's why he left. He left me. The funny thing about it is, is I'm, there's a there's a scene in a movie Hangover where the dude gets shot in the arm, and the person who's the dentist he like walks away, and he's like, come back here, and he's like. Oh, I'm just a dentist, and he walks away, he's like, you come back here right now, and it's like, that was me and Jeff, 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 uh, Jeff, I'm going to run this contest, Jeff, and Jeff's like, I'm done, Whoa. I'm going back to the, the room. How long before 8th Street was that? That was probably, like, the summer prior, or two summers prior to Eight Street, like, Whoa. before it was like, because I remember, we, we 8th Street started, but Jeff was doing, did my first graphic, and Jeff, took a long time to finish my first graphic and 8th Street was like bummed on him like they were like you know we shoot out of this graphic two months ago yeah and Jeff was like you know he was an artist he didn't care he took his time yeah and they're like it's been three months now right where's Jeff's graphic not happy with it's, it like and they're like he's like he's I go he's the artist he's getting it figured out and then he brought it and they explained it and I was like fuck yeah and they were like we just need you know they were like, we just need to put on the sports. Sure. You know? But see, between that, there's the, the others the, they flew me to San Diego to show me the Evil Knievel movie because oh. they wanted me to, you know, back then it's kinda of when skateboarding was turning to be kind of gnarlier. And so they thought by showing me the Evil Knievel movie, they'd get me hyped and want to jump down bigger stairs and oh. get gnarly and shit, right? But I watched the Evil Knievel movie and was like, wow, I, I thought Evil Knievel was really sick on how he organized and worked his, like, self into being different people. Like, when he jumped Caesar's Palace, he was three different people. He was himself, he was his own health-like instructor, and then he was his own lawyer. Uh. So he was three different people where, like, and they and Caesar's never figured that out. Even when he crashed, they're, like, they're calling his people, and his people weren't answering the phone. They're like, damn, these people, they don't even like his ass. Dude. And like, so when I saw that, I went, I remember coming home after that trip, and sitting down sitting down and just being like, I might have smoked some weed or something. And I went, you know, you could do that shit for yourself. Like you could and I remember thinking, like you could totally call up a shop and set up a demo for yourself being somebody else. Oh yeah. And I was like, and then if you did it successfully, you could promote yourself and, and then that would help your board sell and you make a little money, you know? So I became Hello, it's George. Hello, it's George, and you, I'm, I'm Ron Allen's manager, and it's like, would you like to have Ron Allen come to your house, come to your shop for a demo? It's $2,500 and a plane ticket. Would you like this? And people were like, oh my God, no way. Yes, Ron Allen will get the plane ticket, send it to this address, and Ron Allen will be there. And they're like, oh my God, right? And they would, I remember the first time I did it, they sent the plane ticket, and I went, I flew to some place in Florida, and did a demo for a shop. Hung out, and then came home. They gave me 2500 and I came home. And I was like, oh, my God, sick. So I was like, okay, let me see if I can do it again. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was short, and I did it, like, again. And then I did it, like, four times. I did it, like, five times, six times, about the eighth time. I was like, and now I'm banking. You know, I've done it eight times. So I got 2500 each time. I'm like, fuck, yeah, this is yeah. so cool. And then Mike and Tony call. And they're like, we're flying you down to San Diego. And I was like, what for? I'm like, we want to talk to you. It's like, about what? They're like, well, when you get here, we'll talk to you about it. I was like, all right. So I get there and they're like, so uh, who's this manager? And I'm all, manager, what are you talking about? They go, you know, you've been flying around the country doing demos and stuff. And I was like, how do you guys know that? They go, your boards are selling. I'm like, really? And they're like, oh my God, like your boards, we can't keep, we're selling your boards. And I'm like, okay, well, I have a secret other than it's you guys' fault. And they go, it's our fault? I go, yeah, you showed me that evil Knievel movie, man. <laughs> and they're like, what does that have to do with anything? And I go, well, and I explained to them that like, he was three different people. I go, I'm, I'm George. I'm, George is my middle name. And they're like, what? I go, I'm George. I go, hello, it's George. Would you like, and they're like... <laughs> so you've been setting up your own demos and flying to them and promoting yourself and then getting back on the plane and coming home and you didn't even tell us. And I'm like, nah, no, no, I just figured it was good to get, you know, out promoting my board and stuff, you know. And they're like, I go, you guys bad? you are like, they go, that's so fucking cool. Man. Yeah. And they can't, they were like, I can't believe you, like, Ron, that is, they go, like, You're what made, their made you want to do them. that? And I go, the Evil Knievel movie. He was Lowenstein, when he was Lowenstein, the lawyer, it made me go, oh, I can change my motherfucking voice. Oh, man. (laughs) So I just was like, I'm going to change my voice. And I remember it worked and then it kept working. And then when they, and then their funniest, the funniest thing is at that night, they were like, can you do this for Hensley? And I was like. Fuck, yeah, I can. Yeah. And so, what do so you like? It's George. What would you like, Henry? Oh, oh my God! God. That's so that's so how weird. we went on. That's how Eight Street sort of got. To be honest, and and I don't. I'm not trying to you know toot horn, but I think that I might have been the catalyst for board sales that H Street needed to launch this big company that came sort of after my whole little fiasco with faking out who I was. And uh-huh. that, I think I helped them make enough money to keep, like put money in the conference to get new writers. Yeah. You know, so I, some in some ways, like, you know, you go, oh, you know, I was one of the first, I was the first pro, I was the first street pro. But in some ways it's like that's the level of which I was willing to go. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to sell, a lot of these boards. And at the time, I had left college too, so I knew in the wind was a college of financial aid, like I was gonna have to pay back from leaving college. So they were breathing down my neck at that point. So I remember being like, damn, I gotta make some serious moves. And 8th Street at the time was like, well, they pay you a buck a board, and it's pretty easy math, you get a buck a board, sell a thousand boards, you get a thousand dollars. So if you're selling, you know, at that time I think guaranteed was five, you know, $500. And I remember my first two pro checks bounced. That was crazy. That was like, whoa. Like, you get a check, you bring it to the bank, the bank calls you back and goes, it bounced. It's, you don't have funds. Then you call them and you go, your check bounced. And they go, oh, my God. And then they're embarrassed as fuck. And they go, oh man, we'll make it better, we'll make it better. And then the second one, they make it worse. Fuck. And so then you're like, I'm going to quit. <laughs> uh. And my family were like quit quit nigga quit damn quit nigga, quit. and you're like and then you go to the trade show and they like one of the oh, what was his name some dave brown dude puts five thousand dollars on the table it's like quit ride for me and i'm like who are you i'm airborne zorlak well good for you i'm gonna stay with eight street yeah just you put five thousand dollars on the table like quit ride for me that five thousand is yours Went to that five thousand, like whoa, that's a lot of money. Yeah. You could use that right now, because you know back in the day, you remember if you wrote a bad check, and all your checks bounced, so your PG&E check bounced, all your shit bounced, so you kind of had some problems. You had some issues, you had to figure Absolutely. it out. Absolutely. So I was like, man, H Street, come on. And then I just said, no, I'm gonna stay with them, and that was like that was '87. So that's when I first turned pro.
0: Well, before we go too much further. I just want to know how exactly you got on
1: 8th Street. Was it at Visalia Skate Camp? Well, I met Mike at that time at Visalia Skate Camp. And Mike wasn't even involved in skateboarding. And then Mike me, Ternansky. Mike Ternansky. And yeah. he drove me to visit my mom, who was going through some gnarly cancer surgery. And on that wave, he was asking me all these questions about skateboarding. And I was kind of going... Dude, you're gonna get involved, huh? And he's like, ah, oh, no, I don't know. You know, just, i just—I really was impressed with how the skaters were at camp, and I was impressed with the professionalism that you guys have. He was just—he had found a, like a—he thought when he came to skate camp, he didn't know what to expect, and he was like super impressed with like Nodis, Jim, just how like all the different skaters he came across.
0: And what drew him to it? He wasn't well, well, a skater. Yeah,
1: funny thing. Okay, now that's. Okay, so here's another. It all comes down to stories. Yeah. Okay, Bob Goodsby ran the camp. Bob Goodsby at the time was part of the YMCA. Bob at the time and the YMCA had a person named Ron Allen who was at the YMCA teaching cheerleading. (laughs) Okay, needed a job, needed to make some money, was a cheerleader. So I was teaching cheerleading. Bob (laughs) sticks his head in and goes, hey, you're teaching cheerleading, you kid, you can teach skateboarding? I'm all, would love to. Way better than trying to teach this. <laughs> and hence goes, oh, I can, I can do skateboard classes. Hintz, skateboard camp, skateboard classes. And at the time, the, the head of YMCA Visalia was a guy named Al Gutierrez, who, when Ron was a cheerleader back in high school in Redwood High, we went to cheerlead at the wrestling matches for Al and his brother Benji, who was also on the skate camp staff at the time. And were some of the first squads to go to wrestling matches and cheer for them, so they were just always held us in high regard. like we love you guys. Okay. Hence comes back to Al being at this camp, YMCA being the director, invites his fellow friend, Mike Ternasky, who he wrestled with at Cal Poly. Whoa. Who they both were wrestling champions in California when they were in high school, wound up at Cal Poly, were state wrestling championships, at, like state champions at Cal Poly, and then went moved on in life to their, like, hey, Mike was working somewhere and, 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 hey, you got a vacation, come and check this out. Mike came down and to, to visit Ray, to visit Al and Benji Gutierrez. The, the, like, so Al and Benji at that time were probably VPs of Visalia YMCA you know what I mean and so they came to visit mike came down to visit
0: and if that visit did not happen there is nothing there that the, is so crazy there, that freak
1: visit that created is, oh my God. almost everything we no. know that visit doesn't happen there's no plan B there's probably no 8th Street. There's probably that if if for some reason those, ben, let's say Ben G and Al don't wrestle. You know what I mean? Like whatever. It's like there could have been so many variables. But at the end of the day, Mike wow. would have no reason to be there. Yeah. It it That's what's crazy. Right. And then he wound up even taking over skate camp because the next year they took it to San Luis Obispo where he went to college at. So you can see that like Mike... He, Mike saw, and like, I know a lot of people got bummed on him, but he saw sort of an open sort of place that he can fit himself into and sort of took it. Yeah. And like, you know, he saw skate camp. He took it. He saw that there were some really bona fide, hard working ass people in skate camp. He got us paid. Yeah. That was one of the first things that when you went, damn, he got it. Like, he saw me, he asked me, Jim, and Fish, how much we were getting paid for five weeks. Of waking up the kids, putting them to bed, teaching the kids, taking them to the pool, doing all this. We were like, nothing. We said uh, free room and board and free meals. And they're like, and he was like, You mean to tell me, you guys, you wake up in the morning, six before the kids get up, bang on pots and pans, wake them up, take them all over to breakfast, get them all fed. Take them from breakfast back here. Give them 10 to 15 minutes and take them skating. Take them skating hard all day. Take them lunch. Do all of what you have to do. You don't have any help. And we're like, no, that's what we do. Yeah. And then at the end, it's like 1130 at night. You put everybody in bed. You walk every door. You go to every door to make sure no one's drinking, smoking, chilling. Everyone's just, and then you go to bed yourselves. And, like, and you're doing this for free food and a chance to skate. And we were like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, you remember back then? Yeah. A skater would have done that. He yeah. didn't care about money. He went, you mean I get a chance to skate and you're going to give me free food if I teach a bunch of kids? Yeah. <laughs> All I am going to do is build a vert ramp? Yeah. Fucking there. I know. And, and so he was our my friend from high school, Bobby G, who I love and respect to this day, but he was using us. Like, you know, he was using the fuck out of us. Fuck. Because he found out later that he was making $700 a week prior and $700 for the five weeks of camp and then $700 after. Oh, man. But Mike found that out and clued us in. And then Fish did this thing where he kind of like, he acted like he was freaking out. But then when Bobby left the room, he turned to me and Jim and goes, I hate to have to act like that when it makes people get us paid. And then the dude went and got us checks and then we got paid and it was rad. It was like, oh my God, like we wind up making money for that. And that for me was the beginning for me. A lot of that was like, I remember I left and took off to New York to do this SunKissed commercial that never happened because the BMX dudes had attitude. And I was out in New York, like had no clue. I saw, I met Jeremy Henderson and it was just like, and then I remember flying home and being like, this is crazy. Like, oh. this, like, my life is still, I'm a skateboarder who went to New York, came back, and where is this going? Like, what's uh, happening with this? And I remember, like, what am I going to do? And then Mike Terneski called, I'm um, starting 8th Street. So, who was the original crew? From 8th Street was, he, well, see, because he hooked with Tony Mag. So, Tony Mag had... Like John Schultes, I think, was part of that. Uh-huh. And so a John Sonner might have been part of like Uncle Wiggly. So I came in kind of from the street side and those guys were already Uncle Wiggly, Tony Mag, Vert side, put us together, 8th Street.
0: You, know. were, you were already on or no? I was on yeah. That was your first sponsor? Yeah, that was my
1: first, like, first ever sponsor. Okay. And that was like Randy Chance. See, that was like the whole, like, Gon's got the story wrong about Mike Terneski saying that I should have, like, done something after he did it because it really wasn't that way. It really was, I, Gon says to me, do the Frontside 180 to fakie down the rail. Have you ever tried that? And I said, no, but here's Gon's telling me to do it. So I went and did it because it's uh-huh. like Gon says do it. Like, fuck, yeah, that dude's rad. I'm going to do it. And then I did it, and Mike Ternaski runs over to me and goes, Dummy, dude, Randy Jansen's a photographer. you got to do it again so we get the photo. So I'm like, oh. And by then, at that point, I'd already done it, and there was sort of like I did it, and I made it, and I got off, and I got away with it. And then I went to do it again and I ate shit. Oh. And like I fell down that four stair railing. I fell backward down the four stair railing. And that just ended my whole contest. Like for me, it was like I could care less if I was. I remember like concussion, double swellbows, broken wrist, you know, the whole nine yards. Huh. It was just like. And then go on tour. Like, oh yeah, by the way, after this is all said, <laughs> after this is all said, done, yeah. I'm going to sit you in a bus or sit you in a van. And you're like, a week later, you're like, hi kids <laughs> holy
0: fuck, that's not i
1: love the way that that that's that's how skateboarding that's how the early days were you know you just absolutely stormed you know
0: and can you describe <laughs> like um what filming those videos was like <laughs> filming was all filming because when they came out i swear to god the i forget which one it was but i think it was the one where they did the no comply kickflip And we had never seen that. And everyone was doing no comply variations to nose manuals, all that shit. And we're like, and I think it was Hocus Pocus, obviously. And we're like, wait a minute. Is this real or is this fake? And that was the whole name and everything. But it was like, how did you guys film back then and kind of keep under wraps? To launch it so people see what was going on. I think there were
1: separate filming sessions going on all over the place. Uh So you had the camp kids going for film sessions. You had me having film sessions with like we, they hired some dude and he was like, I'm going to follow you guys in a wheelchair. I was like, no, you ain't, bud. Nah, blood, I live in Oakland, you're up here in a wheelchair trying to follow a nigga skating, man. Nah, dude, that ain't going down, blood. Wow. And he was like, why? And I'm like, dude, it, it looks bad. <laughs> you, know, you got your film. You got your handicapped friend filming you. Man, what's wrong with you, Ron? You can't, like, what? You know what I mean? Like, that was one of the weirdest things ever. So I said, hey, dude, thank oh you very God. much. We, you know, we We're not going to work with you. And so he called <laughs> Tony and Mike and said, the damn kid fired me. And I was like, well, I I wasn't really talking about firing you. I was just like saying that I didn't really want you to film with a wheelchair. Uh, You're an able-bodied man. And I don't want you to sit in a wheelchair following me. It just doesn't, it's not a good look. And it was kind of the wheelchair because of the way the wheels were was bumpy. So the footage. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, nah, blood. Like, we need some steady shot. We need some steady. Jesus. (laughs) And there was no steady cam back then. No. So it's like, the easiest steady cam was put the fucking camera on the ground or build like tripod it or put it on the ground. Sure. Then you don't have to worry about it shaking. Yeah. Some niggas drank too much coffee. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'm guilty of that.
1: Dude, I remember like, yeah. I I remember like we did the fun video and we made it VHS to VHS. It was the first day of fun. We had just like decided where it was like. Hops in the room. Keenan's there. We're all there. Fucking putting this video together. Yeah. And someone's like, "God damn, you got shaky hands." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like. Motherfuckers, I'm 40 years fucking old. What the fuck you want? Like, damn, dude, half your footage around is shaky hand. They made me so self-conscious of that shit, dude. I was like, all right, motherfuckers, I ain't filming no more because I got shaky hand. Yeah. And they're like, dude, you know, just trying to be, you know, keeping it real, you know, yeah, keeping it real, motherfuckers. (laughs) I'm a grown-ass man. Been drinking coffee. Got a little bit of... Yeah. (laughs) So hilarious how that shit... I'll never... Like, we had fun. So we had... We had become life and we became fun and we had to make our first video and we made it VHS to VHS but we still were trying to be organized and we hit up Primus and we said there's this kid Jeb Stewart and he really likes you guys' music, can we use, and they said send us like a little contract and we sent them a little contract and they send, they signed it and said we could use it and they sent it back to us. Whoa! And I was like whoa we were like the first kind of the first company to use somebody's music and like legitimately. Pat uh-huh. Duffy, you bit this dude. Whoa. Oh no, my like, uh, God! <laughs> it was Jeb Stewart though. That kid, he had he's Jeb Stewart, who was um, Josh Stewart's brother. Oh, sick! Okay, so, so that's how, okay. So that's like another little side panel. Josh you known him since he was single digits. Him and his brother came out to skate, and they him and the, his dad brought him out, and they skated with us. And that was life. That was yeah. That was when I was on life. Before it became fun, and then Jeb, his brother, came out when I had fun. And it was, like, one of the most organized kids I've ever met, like, came out and ran the office while I was on tour. What? Ran the office while I was on tour and would have chocolate chip cookies going while, when we came home, <laughs> dude. Come on, now. Let's Bam. hire him. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, really? It was life named after a day last song. Yes. Living in a full-time era. Okay. Living in a full And it was, like, the idea of that most of my... All my companies are acronyms. Like, right. fall, oh. like fun. Follow under no one. Okay. Okay, like... ADI, American Dream Incorporated. Right. Like, never, ever. And the reason why I do that is, like, I even I had a company called Energy. Enough nonsense, every rider get yours. Because so many people, when you have companies, come out of the woodwork and try to get you to say, well, you have a company named after what I, like, I have a, I had a wheel. I just actually ended the wheel company I had called Fast. Okay? Code's Fast. And someone hit me up, and, well, I have Fast bearings. I said, okay, but my Fast is free agent skateboard transportation. And they go, what? I go. Yeah, so if, unless your company says that exact thing, your company does not mine is you're hearing fast as a as a name, but it's an acronym. So That's a, you know, so it keeps people from suing me and it keeps people from using me.
0: Well, I hate to tell you what talking Schmidt stands for. I'm
1: totally about <laughs> to lose my No, it <laughs> no, seems like it's so funny. How, like you can make and and I've done it so many times like in like I even in my music stuff I I'm um, my production company's Inus Imes. It's I period, N, period, Y, period, S, period, dash, I, period, M, period, S, Inus Imes. It's not your shit. It's my shit production. Whoa. It's my Schmidt production. (laughs) It's not my Schmidt. It's my Schmidt production. (laughs) (laughs) You took it back. I, I could take it back to, like, the days of H Street and, like, those were, like. Well, someone that we have to talk about is obviously Sean
0: Sheffy. Oh, damn. You know? It's, like. Sheesh. that like was the amazing Sean Sheffy that was the video that was like at night with car lights oh. like not I, I don't even think there was like no camera spot, lights man. back then no, there was it was no just spotlight. pull the car up yeah,
1: get the car at the right dude. angle and that was probably why he ate shit because he was so he didn't even see the fucking you railing know? you know he had like the car light and then the light <laughs> from the fucking he probably ate no, but yeah that was probably honestly like like and i always say this that video again dan stewart should get all the credit for that video mm. dan stewart should get they should if they if you say fucking life videos classic you are he should he should there should be a ding somewhere in his house that goes ding someone else just said the life videos classic your vision for the life video came came correct okay like his the way he looked at it and the way he wanted to do it he did it, and it's like I trip on it because I go, "Fuck, dude!" Like Mike and Tony, they kind of that they let him do it. They like they're like, "We're gonna let you do the live video." And in a sense, he Sheffy's part, he saw the vision of what he wanted. When you see Sheffy's part, you're seeing Dan Stewart picking and knowing, kind of like if I do, if he does this trick, if he does this trick, if he does this trick. And I mean, I think him, it it really is a it's it shows Dan Stewart. And Mike Terneski, how they work together. The wow. life video really shows those two people, how uh-huh. their minds melded. And I was like a figurehead. I owned the company, didn't know shit from Shinola about owning companies. I didn't learn that until I got to Deluxe. Uh-huh. That's, that's a whole other story in another book, but it's true. Yeah. At that time, I was like, sold a lot of boards on 8th Street, so they gave me a company. Uh-huh. And life was like a cool company, but then I didn't know how to make a video. So when Dan Stewart and Mike started to make videos and make this life video, I'm kind of like, sure. And kind of trying to almost have a little attitude about it because I think I own something that at the time I don't. Okay. And so then it's like you start to understand ownership, and then you go, "Oh no, let me go own something." Yeah. I'm not a figurehead. I can go and set up a company at the county seat. At that time, you had to sign up your business and put it in the paper and do all these types of things. And at the time, I wasn't doing that. So if you're not doing that, you're not owning your business. You're just you're puppeting for somebody. Okay. And and then you wake up to that and you go, "No, I want to own my own business." You know. But at the time life was great for me at that time because we were doing well board sales wise and we were traveling a lot and so i was able to promote and they had sort of an understanding of what i was doing okay so it worked really well but i could see the writing on the wall i knew like especially because Eighth street was getting bigger and life we got lucky with the video that dan stewart and mike worked so well the video was kind of making us popular but you could see the writing on the wall like here was Mike and Tony they weren't getting along and then you know plan B starts and everyone's going that direction yeah and i remember it was me and Jesse and we're driving back up here cuz i was driving up north to come stay up here and i had to visit with Fausto like that week and like oh god you know Fausto please let me have a company i didn't even know if i'd have a company he might say no oh but he said yes and I'm going to work with Tony and I'm going to work with Jim and Jeff. And that was bad. And like, it just, that was like a cool thing to figure out. But that's when I seriously got educated about running companies. That was ADI. No, that was, yeah, fun first. And then oh, ADI. Fun so. was out of deluxe? Out of deluxe. Oh. Fun was out of deluxe. And like, Kurt DeWald, and I'd say Kurt DeWald probably taught me more about business ownership than. Probably even my dad. My dad did a good job. He did a good job of making me understand about bills and stuff. But the internal workings, Kurt DeWall just like was like, "Look, dude, <laughs> open your eyes." Yeah, like you got to do this, and if you do this right, you could be very successful at this. If you do this right. If you do it wrong, you're just going to be another guy who had a company and had. And he was just cool about the way he talked about it, and he showed me things like having a budget at the time. Okay. And and just things that you know like kind of were simple, but at the time I was so kind of proed out in my head i didn't think about it that way yeah but then when he showed me and then actually started to make it work then it was like you kind of became a stickler for the budget as opposed to you started worrying about your margin because you understood now why you had that budget yeah because that margin was then going to turn around and help you pay your people so in the sense of like here you were going hey dude i'm not worried about my margins because some profit making i'm worried about my margins because i want to take care of you guys uh-huh. And I am ever thinking, like, wow, I have a skateboard company to take care of people. I don't have a skateboard company to get rich. You don't have a skateboard. If you're a skateboarder and you have a skateboard company, you do it because you like skateboarders and you want to help them. If you do it to get rich, really? Like, even back in the day, if you did it to get rich, like Rocco. You get Rocco did it to get rich. Yeah. And he did. Yeah, he... But at the end, it wasn't, <laughs> but it was because he made board sales that were controversial and piss people off and if you want to do it that way that's the road to the top go for it but you got to deal with a lot of lawyers and yeah, shit it's yeah. lonely at the top oh my god yeah yeah all right Rocco how you doing yeah you know world industries how we doing yeah. i mean I'm, I'm i think nope all those guys i love everybody in skateboarding i love people who don't even love me i think i love the characters that we've had i love the way people have positioned themselves it's so awesome to see but i i think sometimes we got to be careful that we don't like forget that like man we all jumped in this because we liked skateboarding not because absolutely we wanted to be businessmen with suits yeah and ties you know well
0: it's it's hard for people Nowadays, because it's so popular that there is an opportunity to make money, mm. w- whereas before you didn't even have an opportunity to make money. So if you were doing it, there was no question why you were doing yeah, it. Yeah, you
1: had like I love that when you when there was no money in it and you were still in it is because you still liked it. Yeah, and that's one of the things that like sometimes people make me trip on. They go, I go, they don't look like they like it. Yeah, like they look like they're forcing it. It's like don't look like you're forcing it, man. Yeah, if you, and and. It's like it's okay to say you don't like something in skateboarding. It's okay. It's okay unless but you should probably be manifesting something cool on your own. If you're going to speak on someone's bullshit, if you think I like you're going to say what I do skateboarding, you're going to say my tricks or my board graphics or whatever I do is whack. Hopefully you'll be creating something that'll, you know, won't be as whack and get somebody inspired because sometimes people who tend to be critical aren't creating. Right. And so it's like, that's a, that's a hard. That's something that I always felt like skateboarding was full of a lot of creative people. Absolutely. And so, and so it always gave you sort of like a good, if skateboarders liked it, it didn't really matter what the public thought. If skateboarders liked it, you kind of felt good. Yeah. And like musically, I think that's important to me art-wise. I know that's important to me from boards and stuff. And so now it's really interesting how that is, like I, I'll never forget it. We came up with the Chili Peppers board. Me, Jesse, and John decided we wanted to do the Chili Peppers board. Yeah. Well, back then, though, at that time, from a marketing standpoint, O'Bron wasn't really using his thinking marketing camp. <laughs> Skateboarding was rather homophobic. It was. It was like skateboarders. We used. We were saying fag a lot. We weren't. Yeah, really everything's eating, gay. We were being yes, gay and fag, yeah. and we were And we make a board with three dudes with socks on their dicks. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Deluxe looking at me like, really, yeah, really, like, and it's a slick. It's a slidable slicky board, right? And they're looking at me like, Ron, you know, you know. It's like we told you, they because they said this to me: we will make whatever you want, you know. If that's what you want, well, that's what we'll make it, right? And I even made a joke like, if you want a square wheel, yeah, we will make it for you. But if it doesn't sell, you probably won't. We won't go twice. You know what I mean? If it doesn't sell, yeah. Okay, I understand. It's cool, right? So when that board came down the pipe, they were like, I remember they just looked at me like, oh shit. All right. Ron. Like, Ron. No like, what? And they're like, dude, like, you know, young men buy skateboards. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, young men aren't gonna buy those skateboards. And I'm like, why chili peppers? <laughs> and they're like, there is no reference to chili peppers. Like, you know, like, okay, it, it's a photo of you guys. It's a photo of three dudes with socks on their cocks. And if you like the chili <laughs> peppers, you might know of it. But if you don't like the chili peppers and you don't know of it, it looks like three dudes on a board with socks on their cocks. <laughs> yeah, dude, like, what, what dude do you know is going to buy it? Yeah. And walk out the house with it. Yeah. And we're. I was like, oh, oh. And they're like, you need to come up with a graphic to go or something. You need to figure out something with this board. And I remember I was like, okay. I was like, okay, I got it. I came back and I was like, we're going to screen it green. We're going to put an F-U-N on it. Like a little F-U-N, small case. And then I go, and then what? I'm all, it's a new fun board with a surprise graphic. Because it was an Everslick? slick. was Everslick. So, so it would slide off. of slid that paint off Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> it was a Chili Peppers. <laughs> oh, my God. Deluxe was like, you know, it's fucked up, but it's good. Like yeah. they liked it. They were like, "That's fucked up, but it's good." Yeah. They were like, "That's really cool." Like you, so you'll bring it down to bring it back down to print, print time screen like this crazy lime green over it, like a lime. <laughs> like. <laughs> That's with amazing. a black fun like a with a fun and black and white in the inside so it was like a three color and yeah. then it said special special surprise graphic you know so people that i think rules. were sliding up to see what it was and like oh whoa, whoa well
0: that was how i mean there were so many tricks to selling boards i worked at a shop back then i remember jaya had a um Ever, it's like there was a girl in a bathing suit. And if you slid the bathing suit off, she was naked. Right, exactly. You know? And then other people would come out with boards that would come in a brown paper bag and you were, couldn't see it till you bought they, it. Yeah, because it was so nasty. <laughs> but it would be like, this is gnarly and we can't show it to you until you buy it. So people would buy it. And they'd be like, oh,
1: whatever, like, you know. that's I remember asking. But there was
0: so many gimmicks.
1: Oh my God, I remember asking Crush. Crush, can you make me a graphic with a black woman that looks so hot? that it makes people want to masturbate (laughs) and he's like what like a black woman on the bottom of your board that that's so hot it makes people want to masturbate and he goes, I go yeah he goes dude and he drew the most beautiful black woman on the bottom of a board nice I was like dude And he's like I go dude it's yeah
0: real quick while we're still on fun who was the original crew on on fun
1: fun was started with Jesse Newhouse John Reeves and then Donger and then Donger actually was really professional, Kian Lu, He was like, I think he was getting some, like some heat from somebody down there. Like not heat, but he was going to write for someone down in San Diego. So he said, I'm not going to go with you guys. So he was in the first ad and then oh. he, he said, and then he called the wood company and said, I'm not going to go with them. So you don't, don't make my boards, don't spend that money. They don't have that much money, so don't spend that. Okay. And Deluxe at first was like, Donger called the wood company. And I was like, yeah, he's professional like that. He didn't want you guys to spend the money. And then the Ams were uh, Keenan and Huff, and like it was funny because the last one of the last days I was down at Eighth Street, Huff called, and I remember being like. Yeah, don't call here no more. Just call my number. Like, just don't even, I'm going to be up at, I'll be up north in Deluxe. That's just uh-huh. another thing, which is all these little weird things that's like, I don't say that to Huff. Let's say I say to Huff, well, I'll keep calling down here. Huff calls 8th Street, talks with Andrecht. Andrecht was the first one was sending the boards. Maybe Huff stays down, on, you know, winds up talking to Andrecht and winds up getting boards through Andrecht and doesn't ever come up north and right. talk with Jim and ride for real. I was bummed at 8th Street. It ended not how I wanted to. Mike bounced. 8th Street was like Tony was trying to do it, but he didn't kind of. Tony was the vert writer, and 8th Street was like, "Here's eight. We have eight. We owe you eight thousand uh. dollars." So I was like, "All right." And they're like, "So how are you gonna pay me back?" And they're like, "Well, figure it out." And I go, "I got it." And they're like, "What?" I go, "I want eight thousand dollars worth of plain T-shirts." And they're like, "Long sleeve, short sleeve." They're like, "What?" I go, "I want eight thousand dollars worth of plain T-shirts." And they were like, "Okay." So they sent. 8000 I remember the UPS man came and like the first time the UPS man <laughs> ever said to me, he said, you better fucking help me. Oh. He had a trailer on the back of his shit. Damn. And he goes, that trailer is you. Oh. And I lived in a studio apartment. And we started bringing boxes in. It had to make a trail to the bathroom, yeah. trail to the kitchen, trail out the door. And it was three high of shirts. So that's, I went to Fausto. Hey, I've got $8,000 worth of shirts. Can we talk? Hence was how I started fun
0: and what did Hensley do? Did he stay away? No, street? he
1: went he went with plan B and then what was crazy is like that was another weird thing Is that like Matt who I had traveled a lot with oh, Eight yeah. Street with me and Matt had traveled a lot And I did not know or think that Matt was partying or getting crazy at all And then all of a sudden next thing, you know I'm watching these plan B videos and they're talking about him retiring drinking too much and rehabbing. and I'm like When the fuck did that happen? I was with him. Up almost to the time that he went on to Plan B, he he would have had to have like one year of just just debacle huh. for it to be that bad. And I yeah. remember like I, I remember being like, I don't think you have a problem, Matt. I think you're just like any other kid who maybe make drinks a little bit, smokes a little too many cigarettes. But right. Other than that, it's like I don't know. I, di- I didn't think he needed to quit skateboarding. I didn't need to, didn't think he needed to retire. I, I was always weirded out about that whole retirement shit. Yeah. Retirement. But yeah, that's crazy though. Like that's always that's another one of them weird like like yeah, H Street and like but yeah, when we moved on, it was because they did Plan B and we did we weren't picked. You know what I mean? He didn't pick Jesse, he didn't pick John, he didn't pick Donger, he didn't pick me. Uh-huh. He picked the guys that he picked and they went to do their thing with Rocco. So in a way Was there we, animosity? Well people were not like, you know, as much as I, I always I don't like to tell any like bad stories about Mike, but there was, like, uh, there's some reality to sort of, like, someone, they were talking to me a little bit about, they're making some movie about, like, black skaters, and they were talking to me about, was there racism? And, and, and at the time, I thought, you know, I was so hyped about being a pro and making money and making a living from it, it's hard to recognize the racist kind of realities. Mm-hmm. And Mike, who was, to me, one of the most non-racist dudes, showed me a graphic one time. And that graphic was made by the Godoys, who at that time, I was selling a lot of boards and they weren't. So they were like, we made a board graphic for Ron. But at the time when they made the board graphic, it's like, y'all weren't really feeling black folk. You really weren't feeling me. Hmm. You considered yourself to be sort of racist skinhead types or whatever you want to call it. So you made a graphic that had a teddy bear on with a nail in its head and a doll on a noose or maybe one of the two, something like that. And I remember being like, ooh, I, I can't, I can't have this board, you know? Yeah. And like the woman that I was with was like, if you have that board, I'll split up with you. That's crazy. That's like noose. And I'm like, yeah, black people in nooses. Oh, man. No. And somehow Mike showed me the graphic and was like, kind of conveyed to me that this was a sample. And it wasn't until years later that I went, if I knew more, I would have been like fuck you, that's a completed board, and you have a thousand in a warehouse somewhere. Oh. So you show it to me, making me think it's a sample. That's where the racism comes in. You show it to me and not are not honest with me and say, look, dude, we have a thousand of these in a motherfucking warehouse. Right. So you could say that, which would be, okay, at that point, I might be bummed. Dude, I don't really want that as a graphic, but at that point, what the fuck am I going to do? Right so he shows it to me says i come back to him dude please don't make that board graphic i don't that doesn't represent me he says okay another lie and then well the board's in i never see the board till 25 years later on ebay where i see the board and i see a bunch of the boards so then i realize that they made a bunch of the boards so i go back to tony Bag, like yo dude really dude i didn't even want that and it now i see it on ebay and people are selling it and it's like that's eh, kind of weird, but that's kind of how you had to deal with a lot of the weirdness of like, was it racist? Hell yeah, it was. Yeah, was Mike racist for doing it? No, what Mike was was trying to get companies to make it. He was trying to make a graphic that sold his good that did this graphic for him, and they were so stoked they probably made it without even thinking about asking me, right? But then at the end, when they came to me and asked me, and that's not what I wanted, uh-huh. then they okay, if they're down for me, they would paint over those code graphics and start something else but they were so into making money they just sold it to a place that I never saw maybe they sold it to Europe maybe they sold it to some place that I'd never be to go to so and so at the end that was sort of a tinge of racism yeah but the tinge of it was enough to make you go my god you guys come on guys H Street had some H Street, great times, amazing travel, amazing amount of times, amazing things to do. Saw so many amazing things. Great but videos. also saw a lot of like, whoa, this is the real ass world. When you, know, when you see the company split up and stuff, you definitely realize that when you have something good, it's sometimes short-lived. You know, for as long as you think it is, it's quick. You know, we yeah. started in 87, and I would say by 90, 91, that shit was over. You know, from 87 when I turned pro with it to being, you know, hello, this is George. (laughs) You know, three years later, it's in the can done. Dudes were like on established companies and there wouldn't be there one, like there wouldn't be one the next day. And you'd be like, what happened to those people? Like, what happened to all those guys that wrote for that company or whatever happened? So you even had that shit. You had, like, ships sinking in the midst of people's dreams being faded in the early 80s and, you know, early 90s. Which now it's, like, it's a rare thing, but you see, like... You know companies coming up and turning people pro and you're like i never even heard of that company like jim thebo called me one time seven thirty in the morning and he's like <laughs> i don't have very much time so give me 10 minutes to rant and i said rant on and he said how come there's not a ron allen website that you can find out everything about ron allen i want to know about what you're doing i'm like i'll be working on it work in progress it's called the, the life of fun ron allen and it's like all this website with all my music and my Sick. skate companies and all that stuff But it was Jim who was the catalyst to call and ask about that because it was like, oh, yeah, Jim, fucking, yeah, what am I doing? Well, you've known him for years. Yeah, he's, that guy is amazing as far as, like, electricity. He reminds, he's like going to New York hardest worker in um, skateboarding
0: it's like he, and, minded, he
1: you is know. yeah he reminds me of going to new york like you go to new york to get electrified and get pumping and get ready to go out again. yeah and like you talk to jim tebow to get pumped to go out again <laughs> like, right it's like you go to new york spend like five days in new york and you leave new york and go Fuck! i'm so glad i don't live there but fuck! it's great being there seeing yeah. what i saw i'm out I'm not dead, I'm not jumped, I still have my, all right, cool. Jim is just like New York, you see him? You're like, whoa, he says the coolest things to you. It's like the dopest things that make you so excited. And then when he leaves, are you done talking with him? You're like, oh fuck, I'm so excited. I, I, like, I wanna go get it, I want the whole world right now, you know, it's like, but that's like, that's yeah, why skateboarding cool. is so cool. Yeah. Stoked on my whole new, like, Carl sent me some shoes and I'm excited because Puff was ending up his shoe thing. Because at the end of this year, and I've been getting shoes from Hub for the last five years, and it's been so cool. And then I'm a you know older man here, you know, and having these opportunities to get shoes and keep keep it good for my feet, yeah, is like really amazing. Like oh, I'm so thankful. Up. Like I'm, and like I know like they could they could care less, or whatever. But I'm so like, fuck, oh, dude, thanks so much. Yeah, like I'm putting together parts just because of that. And like, well, I'm
0: sure you're a huge inspiration for someone like Carl. Oh, I mean. Y- you were one of the first street skaters. There was not too many black skaters at the time. Yeah, if I mean, Peanut Brown, maybe. Peanut was around. Yeah. Camden Scott. Oh, San Camden. Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you've paved some fucking serious
1: ways for Woo. some of these kids today that... Okay, so I've been on this music thing for like the last six or seven years. So Ray Lanos was my tour manager. And Ray Lanos was like, he gave me this list of things I had to do. All right, Like, while you're in New York, you got to do these things. I was like, okay, you got to go down to the Herald Hunter, get a photo there. you got to go down to the Big L Memorial, get a photo there. He goes, and I want you to go to LES, and I just want you to sit there. I said, okay. So I went to LES, and I sat there. And I was sitting there, and I was like, whoa, dude, there's so many black kids skateboarding. Like, so many. Like, that day, there was like at least 50, 60 black kids skateboarding. Uh And Ray came tour manager came and that day he introduced me to Skather of the Year. Tyshawn. Yeah. And Tyshawn says this to me. He goes, I didn't know who the fuck you were. Sort of like Ray was like, this is Ron. He's like, like roots. He's been around. He's historical, right? And yeah. Tyshawn was like, yeah, whatever. He didn't say whatever, but he's kind of like, yeah, whatever, dude, right? Yeah. And then at, like I saw him later after all of the skate of the year and everything and he like Tyshawn was like yo blood he goes I Apologize I was like for what he goes the day that I met you in at, at LES I didn't know who the fuck you were and he goes and now I, I goes I'm standing on stage, you know Skate of the Year. I'm like yeah, and he's like It's like niggas like you like and I'm like nah, i nah, not blood Niggas like you <laughs> like you they ain't got it's like he was I, he was really nice about it But his mentality to me I was like no nah, Tyshawn man like there, that day. I met him in LES I could tell that go this kid's a fucking rad skater I wonder if this kid is rat as rad is as rad as his attitude is yeah, and he was sure so, and for me I, I'm giving me the attitude. I love it. That's something that we gotta continue. We gotta can like rad people like rad skaters it's not about so much respecting what older dudes do, but almost kind of like being like, Yeah, whatever. Because you like Jim Thiebaud explained this to me. He goes, Did you really give a fuck when you were their age? No, that's what keeps it moving forward. Yeah. Cause you, cause you're not, you're like, I don't know who fucking Ron Ellen is. I don't have to. But also, when you were doing it, there
0: wasn't like, Nobody was already doing handrails or big ollies and shit. So you could, there was no one to not know. Right. You were a pioneer. I would never argue with Jim. I, I respect him a lot, but I do think that you need to have attitude in skateboarding. Absolutely. But you do need to have
1: respect for these guys that like, fucking
0: made this thing so available
1: for everybody. Well, and I, I think, I, you know, and I appreciate I appreciate that. I, I just don't, I, I'm a workaholic, I think. And I think that I never looked up from the foxhole of skateboarding to go, like, oh, we doing good? It's just charge, charge forward, you know, keep it going. And yeah. I, I think that's one of the things that has, over the years, has affected my whole steez, yeah. is that, like, I just don't have that. Stand, like let's stop and see how we're doing like life is way too short like i want to skate tomorrow yeah. like like i was explaining something to some people one time cuz they had we had made this website thing it we made and it was called add a trick and we had made this add a trick website and we had gotten this offer from like somebody for a huge amount of money and they were like we we said no and i was like why did we say no and they said <laughs> cuz we if we got that offer we can get something bigger and I was like, look, man, I'm a skateboarder. And they're like, and? and? I go, so like, let's say you all four of us are walking down the street, got our boards, and we look over a fence and there's a fucking empty pool. I'm skating that pool right now. I'm not calling friends, I'm not talking, I'm not leaving that pool to tell anybody about it. I'm jumping over the fence and I'm skating that pool. Mm-hmm. That's how I live. Right. And they were like, I go, the way you guys are talking, one of you is going to call somebody. Someone else is going to run and talk to somebody. And by the time y'all get back, I'm going to be finished skating the pool and you think you're going to skate it and the owner's going to come home and go, get the fuck out of here. Exactly. So I'm all, you can't, you think you're going to get something better in the future? Yeah. You better fucking take it right now. And they And I remember from that analogy, years later, one of the programmers hit me up and said, dude, that was a really sick analogy that you put to us. And it was kind of crazy because I was, I felt a little ahead of my time, because I was making a Facebook at the time for skateboarding. Oh. Didn't even realize it, and it was called Adatrick. And it's like it's funny because fa- the, what we were doing is, a kid could he could set up his own personal profile on this game, and then he could play the game. He could connect with like different team managers who were part of the game. And he could literally show, he could put video footage, and he had, we had this J-Cut software that was coming from France where he could download from his phone into his site and edit his shit. So then he could send a team manager his edited video. Oh. So now, but it's funny because we're working, I'm working really hard right now. We're about to debut it in an app. Oh, hell yeah. So I worked my ass off for this game for 15 years, and finally, like in the When's next, that hitting? Pretty soon. For me... I'm a come-up kid, but it takes a long time because I have so many ideas and I want to do so many things. And so it's like sometimes, I'm, like you know, it's really been people have like kind of made me sort of like design. Like, what do you want to do? You know? Right. You know, you're doing the music. Now you're doing the art. Now you're doing the board companies. What do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to do them all. Okay, so let's get these figured out so that yeah. you. And so at this point, but I'm even I'm even crazier because I now I'm doing a. I'm, there's this thing called Finding a Line, which I'm part of which I'm gonna do a Finding a Line in Oakland. And Finding a Line is Jason Moran, the piano player, who loved the blind video when he was a kid, watched Mark Gonzalez's part, got him into jazz. So now he likes to play his piano and have a mini ramp so people skate while he plays piano to people skating.
0: No way. Yeah.
1: And so we've done it now. We started in San Francisco. They did one in Miami. I didn't go to that one. We did one at the Kennedy Center in DC for 12 days. And then we pulled off one in Michigan, University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, 35,000 people, crazy. So Jason Moran says to me, you want to do, We should do one in Oakland. And I go, are you challenging me? And he goes, well, it's a challenge. And I said, okay. And so I started that project about a month ago. Had to go through all these different parameters, talk to property managers. And so finally I got the gig. I literally got the space. So it's at this place called The Hive on Broadway. I have a meeting with Uber and I have a meeting with Pandora and I have people. At Pandora, which I didn't even know, skaters that are in the upper that would love to talk to me about it. Okay, so it's like what? I I got a guy at Pandora too. Skateboarding is this changing the world, and it's changing us as humans because we, even though like for instance, I know someday I'm not gonna skate but until that day i will have this mentality right and, and even the day when i stop skating i will still have this mentality yeah. which it's like i remember like i love the girl chocolate video with them as old dudes oh yeah that shit was to me that yeah. is the uh, like they took a slice out of the life of most of us as older two people yeah we wheelchairs yep. and jumping downstairs and just being like Having Mark Gonzalez fix you up at the hospital, is that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But that shit is, that to me is like, I love skateboarding because of that. Someone said to me, they were like, oh, you know, talked about Jake. And I was like, I love skateboarding because of Jake Phelps. And people were like, but he never was nice to you. And I go, I know. And they were like, so, but why do you say that? And I go, dude, and skateboarding, one of the greatest things about skateboarding, for as much positivity that you get, you also realize, as a human being, you need some negativity. You need somebody to like get under your skin, because if there's not anybody to get under your skin, sometimes you're complacent, oh, yeah. and that complacency can get really bad. The more, can you, the longer you're complacent, the worse it can get.
0: Well, the so, guys that walk around in life that just have a bunch of yes guys with them, those are all the shittiest dudes.
1: Yes, you know, so like Joe, you need Jake. somebody to yes. challenge you. And Jake you, Phelps yeah. always would challenge me. Challenge Absolutely. my mentality, challenge my skating, challenge my physicality, challenge my age, mm. and I like I feel like when he passed, like people were like, oh, you know, Jake left, and I was like, Jake, I'm I'm bummed. I know Jake's in a better place, but I'm bummed because Jake was my antagonist. I'm on we teach each other, and you'd be like, fuck you, and I'd be like, fuck you, and people were like, <laughs> you guys don't like each other. Oh, we love each other. Yeah, we'd say that. Oh, I love him. Yeah, But but you just said, fuck you to him. Right. Yeah, but there's love in fuck you. Have you ever seen the fuck you sign that says, fuck you? All the different variations. Yeah. Fuck you. It says, fuck you, love.
0: I just saw that. Um, Have you seen that movie, uh, NSF? It's uh, The Last Black Man. Oh, yes. So their whole thing is, you can't hate it unless you love it. Yeah, that's you can hate whole, it and you love it. Yeah.
1: That's, you can't, because if you, ha- if yeah, you
0: if hate Yeah, if you it, didn't it, love it, you wouldn't hate it. You, and you wouldn't be. It. Well, that's the thing about 2019 that kills me is the, the everyone's a critic. I oh. Mean,
1: fucking Well, hell. you know what, though, but that's why everyone's a critic. Because at the end of the day, like, see, I'm on some weird fucking spiritual thing. But at the end of the day, we, we as a people really need to learn to love ourselves. And that's kind of why we're critical. It's easier for me to sit in a house and critically put down somebody else and say something ill, for it is a lot harder for me to go, wow, that's amazing and that's dope. Simply for the fact that if I'm aesthetic to what that person's doing, I'm I'm actually recognizing them. In a world where we want to be seen and we want to be heard, most of us, yeah. Most of us, their criticisms come because they're not feeling like they're being seen, and they're not feeling like they're being heard. Right. So they manifest a negative view of themselves enough to speak from that. If there were people telling them, "Hey, man, I love you, man. It's all good. You are involved. If you're a skateboarder, you're involved. Why? Because you're a skateboarder. There's not a bunch of us on this fucking planet. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, you're a rare bird. Right. You know, like just because it's Insta doesn't mean everything's Insta. We had, when we were, when we were in kindergarten, they were giving us rugs to sleep on and shit. You know, there was a little de- part of the day. We always took a little nap. You know what I'm saying? That's and a like great we point. grew up in a nap society. Yeah. Yet now we are, we're like, <laughs> oh no, wait, got to go, got to go, to go. sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep's the cousin of death, bro. Yeah. We're going for it. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. We can take our time. And I, I think we've lost that a little bit. I just noticed like a lot like I've noticed a lot of people don't follow a lot of rules nowadays. Like it's like just don't even it's like Like I'm not even a rule follower, like a skateboarder. I don't really follow rules. I jump over fences and skate shit. But I'm like, there's some things that are just practical sense shit that you're like, what the fuck is going on with people, man? Like exactly. Like where y'all? Like what's all your practical sense? Like it's like like you know applied science of the brain. Like what's going on? But I I don't know what it is. I and I really wish I did. Uh I I think I'd be a millionaire if I could figure that one out. You know. (laughs) But, I, but I, I think, but a lot of it, I think, I think a lot of it comes from people not skateboarding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that we live in a world a little different if everybody wrote a skateboard. I think you so know, too, just, for sure. Because it makes you believe that, A, it gives you confidence, but it also sucks your confidence right away when you think and, you're...
0: And that doesn't include the motorized version or the uni-wheel or any of these other things <laughs> that are rolling around my town... Those Those are not skateboards. Let's push, people.
1: Yeah, and those things to me, that that little singular roller wheel, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Those little niggas, those those niggas. Look, you're on something that's a singular wheel, and you're doing like, it looks like you're doing 35 to 40 miles an hour on a sidewalk. And if I, when I was a kid, if I could push that fast on that same sidewalk, I was told by a policeman to get off that sidewalk and be on the street. Right. So I see these little pussy ass Union Wheel motherfuckers on the sidewalk running, getting ready to run into someone's grandmother, getting yeah. ready to murk somebody at the end of the day. And not one cop says, This is another, okay, I got another blast. I'm coming with another blast. <laughs> Here I'm we talking go. Schmidt on Schmidt. I'm yes. talking <laughs> Schmidt on Schmidt. Okay, <laughs> seriously, skateboarders, we all had to fucking get tickets from cops coming to skate parks for the last 10 years, parking at the parks, going, if you don't have a helmet on, come over here and get your ticket. Right. If you don't have a helmet on, come over here and get your ticket. Yep. Then they fucking invent these fucking scooters <laughs> all over. There's scooters everywhere. Scooters, scooters for fucking breakfast, lunch, and fucking dinner. And not one motherfucking person wears a helmet on that. And yeah. they don't know what they're doing. Either. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they jump on a scooter without even any kind of knowledge. No and there's balance. there's not a helmet. That is connected to that scooter at all. It makes no sense. It doesn't. It, it's like, okay, so when I had no helmet and I'm at the skate park and you're giving me a $150 ticket because I wasn't wearing a helmet at the skate park. Now, how is that justified by stupid Jim and Joni over here on the scooter together <laughs> eating shit running into a crowd of people? And when they smack nate domes, guess what? There's not a helmet on it. Whoa, that's crazy to me. And they don't even, like, do they get tickets? No, no, because they're not riding. It's like, to me, that's some bullshit.
0: They don't have a helmet on. They have earplugs in. And my theory is if we had a suit on and carried a briefcase, we wouldn't have got pulled over. Oh, my
1: God, huh? <laughs> Skateboarding, if we would have had a suit on, and yeah. I, I, we would, they would look at us. Look at that guy. With oh. the he's, he's riding his office. He works at Google. <laughs> yep, he's riding to his office. Yep. He's a newfangled guy. <laughs> I swear to God, those uni, but those dudes on the unit ones go too fast to be on sidewalks. Yeah, uh, Scooters the the motorized scooters. If you're ever if you're ever on a motorized scooter and there's two of you, you are a kook. To me, all of the scooter thing is just it just. I hate to say it, but we're soft. Yeah, we're soft. We are. We're soft. Because think about it, BMX. That's what a part of scooter is. It's skateboarding. That's what part of scooter is. We came from that era of the separation of the two. Yeah. So you rode a BMX bike, cool. You rode a skateboard, fuck yeah, cool. Now, here you are, 2019. They put the two together. <laughs> they motorize it some for the city. They give some to the kids who drive at skate parks to get in the way of everybody else. And the scooter now has become like almost like like the the pet rock, you know, the 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 earth shoe. Yeah. You know, the, it's like it's this device of what? Who it's like who does it? Who like is there an industry for it? Is there a pro? You know, Uniball, ride, Unirider? Is there a pro scooter dude? Probably by now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's. it just seems to me like these things came along no. and they were sort of man made indices that kind of kept going. You know? I
0: think this shit's so whack that not even the hood rats will steal them. No. Because they don't even want to be seen with them. No. Those the, things are not cheap. No. They're like But Ugh. so why aren't
1: people fucking ganking them? Because they don't even want them. I remember there was a kid at the park one day. We, His mom's like, Do You guys have a first aid kit? And we're like, because I was teaching skate camp. She's, you have a first aid kit? And I'm like, yeah, let me go get it. She goes, well, that's a small one. My daughter's got a fucking scooter through her neck. Right. I'm like, that's called go to the hospital, bitch. I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> about? Like, do you have a, do you have a, that was the funniest thing. Do you have a first aid kit? So, You know, we get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a small one. I'm like, uh, we have, you know, slides. Like the, the kid slides on his knee pads and his knee comes his knee pad comes off, so we give him a b a band-aid. We're not, we're not we're not prepared to go in and tracheotomy some yeah. people you know what I mean? Like there's no razor in there, shit. <laughs> and some lady she literally says, I have a my kid has a scooter through her neck. I'm gonna take her to the hospital. Yeah. Or call nine one one and they'll come get her. And and the lady was like, So you don't have anything in there for that? No, I don't have anything in the first aid kit for a scooter to the neck. <laughs> I was like, whoa. And I wanted to see it. I wanted to see it because I was like, what does that look like? Did she fall like in the scooter and jabbed her? And she like, ah, you know. I'll never forget this. I was at <laughs> skate camp and they had the parents, the scooter parents and the skateboard parents were arguing over, you know, who has rights. You know, and the scooter parents were saying we have rights, skater parents were saying they have rights. Oh, so, man. the scooter kids were having a birthday party at the skate park, you know, for a scoot party for the yeah. scoot. And they were they had a pinata. Like, they had a pinata. And the pinata was a skateboard. No I shit you way. not. They, they were beating the shit out of a skateboard. That's the <laughs> that best. Was classic. I was like. There's something funny about that. They were beating the shit out of a skateboard. Wow. I was like, who got you that? They're like, our mom.
0: Well, I don't want to take too much time kind of winding down here. I could talk to you forever. (laughs) Um, I did want to cover a couple of things real quick. Okay. Um, We didn't really dive into the ADI too much. And you got to um, work with Fausto before he passed. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things that... um, came out of that was your graphic with Dexter Woods oh yes that was pretty hot topic at the time and uh, I just wanted to see if you could educate the people about who Dexter Woods is and
1: why that came about Dexter Woods was the lead of the San Francisco chapter of the Black Panthers Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that people don't realize that the Panther Party had Chapters, so there were people all over, and he was called the communicator. He would always make sure that people knew what was going on in San Francisco with the Black Panthers and connecting with the people in Oakland. So I was one of those, like Aliasha felt like I was kind of like that myself, communicator. One it was going to the San Francisco, but would always be back in Oakland. So that Dexter Woods kind of was like my sort of like part of that play in a sense of like being in Oakland, but yet spending some time in san francisco at deluxe always kind of keeping it kind of righteous and real Uh but always in the sense like american dream changed the changed the way skateboard companies talk to their people it once again i've been so blessed to be with people like dan stewart mike terneski ali asha these are some of the most greatest thinkers on the planet to me like the way they thought is why they were so rad it's mm-hmm. like Aliyasha thought about classic Americana with black w- and with like red, white and blue, but with colors over the top of color. And the idea that you can say something and not have it said to everybody and that you could do an ad in conversational Chinese. And people go, well, why is it in conversational Chinese? And you go, well, that's American. Right. And they go, what well, do you mean that's American? And they go, well, someone who speaks conversational Chinese is just as American as the next, but we're only talking to them. Uh-huh. And then people were like, they're like, why are you doing that? And we're like, because we feel like your, your industry speaks to the middle class white suburban kid who lives in maybe Walnut Creek or Concord. Yep. And is going to buy boards and you've already got a fan. But we're going to talk to the kid who, who's maybe he's Chinese and he lives in mainland China. He likes skateboarding. So we're going to take this skateboarding and talk to different people within the framework of that skateboarding. Mm -hmm. Because you guys don't. We found that gap there. When Mike Tyson at that time was biting off Emanuel Holyfield's ear, he was on our graphics. We were just really, we used sueños, we used Latino, I mean with Spanish terms, we were really thinking about the idea that skateboarding wasn't just these poor white kids. Yeah, Talk to everybody. What years was that? 95 and 90, like 95, 96. Oh. Those two years. And then it was it. What happened? Deluxe did what anybody else would do if you had a company. They were like, we were getting spread too thin. Uh huh. They were getting spread thin. Was Rosa Libra still there or no? I think Rosa was still around. Stereo was still around. They were just oh. getting spread thin. Uh-huh. And they were like, we want to pull it back and take care of our baby. We want to take care of real. Yeah. This whole thing would not be without real. Right. And we're over here forgetting real. We right. got ADI popping off. We got Stereo, yeah. Rasa. Antihero's Anti-Hero. kind of getting. There's some rumors about anti-hero back here. And they were like... No. Uh-huh. like, And then we you know, we, we did some things that were probably not good for, when, when you're dealing with a distributor, and these are things that I learned back then, you really, it's almost like a record deal. You got to work with them. You can't work against them. They cannot become the person that you go against because right. it doesn't, that, that, you need to work and, and make it copacetic. It needs to be cool. It's like what you're saying about, I'm going to work hard if you're going to make it tough. The, the distributor can make it tough, or they can make it easy. Yeah. And, and I, at the time, I didn't understand that and kind of had some clashes and stuff. And, I, you know, at the time, I didn't realize, you know, at the time, you, I should have really looked at the distributor of like being something that gave us life again. And at the time, I think when it was all said and done, like that's when I really learned. That's when it, that's when, when it's said and done, 96, when it was done for me. And I remember like, okay, I left Lux. And there was nobody calling, and there was nothing happening, and skateboarding was over. Like, what do you do? And I remember then my friend Quazi came out too, and I was working at this place called Urban Ore. My friend Quazi's like, You wanna do a company, skateboard company? We're calling it Heaters. And I was like, Yeah, sure. And then like I wound up giving them so much consulting and telling them so much, they're like, you're fucking part of this. And they're like, You're part of this, dude. I was like, What? They're like, your owner. We're going to make you part owner and all this. And I was like, Okay, well, first thing you do is the first thing I'm doing as owner. And they're like, Yeah, separate the bong company from the fucking board company. Uh-huh. They're like, What? I go, You guys make bongs and you make boards. It's too different. It's too different. You got to separate. And they're like, Oh, damn. They were all stoked because they were like, Dude. I was like, Yeah, you got kids buying boards. Yeah. You don't want kids, moms seeing bongs with porn stars. Right. They're like, Oh, my God. Rod's like he's so smart
0: that's so rad uh, good friend of mine Tim McKenny. He he he, he 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 texts me almost every day oh and he's he's fired up on skating again and he's just like oh dude blah 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 and he's like if you interview Ron, you have to ask him, what was heaters? Skate team in Oakland, he left every message with heaters, not guns, but skateboards, Oakland style. Yep. Heaters. <laughs> yeah, Dude, that was
1: crazy. Yeah. That was some really, like, heaters was like, we, we just didn't really, like, once again, it's like, we got so far, so fast, so quick, and had such a great idea and like i was just like i was at that time i was kind of like coming back to the industry you uh-huh. know i was like i'm trying to have a company and yeah. i don't care and two for two it's two thousand, nineteen ninety nine, two uh-huh. 2000's coming i was watching a business newscast and they said 2000 means two for 2000 and i was like two for 2002 what would be two for 2000 in skateboarding i was like oh shit, you could put like a cd on a board Right. So the kid gets a board, but he gets a free music. Right, and then it got like so deep, like you could get a wand, and you could put different like songs on the wand, and then you could sell the position of the song on the wand, to different bands. Oh God, <laughs> so then and then, it, and then it Panasonic hit us up and was like, "What's your market share?" And at the time, I didn't know what the fuck what a market share was. I was like, "Oh no." shouldn't have said that. They didn't want to fuck with us at that point. <laughs> There's just so many things like that where you just like you really you realize that you were on the ground floor of some crazy shit but you didn't know what you were doing. And heaters was like literally we were working with like all these big labels, like we were raucous records at the time. We were putting most deaf seed singles on our song on our boards. That was crazy. And that's when they were that's when you learned I learned that, that the record labels were all fucking shady. Uh huh. Buying their own shit at the record stores. Like if you bought most of your records, how, how do you go platinum off buying your own shit?
0: I heard that that's industry rule number four thousand and eighty.
1: Record company <laughs> people are shady. I think they spoil crack, and I don't doubt it. Think of how they get out of the act.
0: Um, I gotta ask you this. This might be too long of an answer, but <laughs> oh fuck, this is this is the question I need to know. Uh-oh. Is you've been through. A lot. You've obviously, you started skating in like 70, 74, 74. wow. So you've been through many generations. We're in 2019 and I'm wondering what you think or what you could tell to someone in 2019 about the skating in the 80s and and basically like, uh, long story short, people are really going to the race card a lot right now like message boards and different things are attacking these people i'm just curious
1: to what what your mind is on that i love when people bring that up because i think this is so funny in in a world where they're literally like you're worried about whatever past your present racism is that you you're 2019 and there's not a black person in the hall of fame i mean and here's the funny thing. Now they do this little thing where they go backwards and they, they, they kind of go back to the '50s or whatever, and they get kind of an older person. and so you could even do that with Chuck in a sense. Chuck uh-huh. is, you know older guy. He's been the soundtrack of, of, our, of our fucking lives on. on top of the fact that he was the first black man on the cover of Thrasher. Uh-huh. I mean, if you, if you just to me, personally, being the first black man on the cover of Thrasher went a long way for me. As a black kid, uh-huh. I showed probably everybody in my school, my parents saw it enough, they were like, okay, him and you, the only two people that skateboard, great. No, <laughs> this is, this is, we're coming, look yeah. at us, we're on the cover, right? And then his music, mm-hmm. his music, power videos, everything oh, yeah, that I've grad. heard from him, everything i and it's like, Hall of Fames are because of, of what we think of as being legendary, I think we do it in sports. But like, okay, in sports, you know, when they put Deion Sanders in the Football Hall of Fame, the one thing that they kind of joking was that he was a two-sport player, that he was he was great on the like defense and he was great on the offense. Okay. Well, there's a rarity with Chuck Brings is he's kind of a two-sport player. He's a skateboarder, but on top of that, he's musician. a great musician. Yeah. And so why not put him in if you're not gonna put Steve Stedham in, I understand. Stedham's kooky. He's a weird dude. It's all good, you know. <laughs> what I mean, it's all good. It's like that fucking weird, but it's cool. We love Stedham. Yeah, you can keep his little weird ass ways. Just stay the fuck away from me, nigga. You're crazy, <laughs> but that's all right. That's over here in that category. Put him over there, Stedham. You're over there with your you're never giving your contest winnings to people. Do your thing, but <laughs> niggas down on buses cool, bro. It's all good. Stedham, Stedham, it's gotta get in there. Even, even the uh, Stedham. But at the end of the day, really, Chuck Therese needs to be in the, the Hall of Fame. And it makes me mad, almost, that you, like, Barney Grimes, part of Dogtown. Yeah. Uh, only black guy, part of Dogtown. Hello. You, and, and yet, here we are in 2019 in the Hall of Fame of, of this thing that we love to do. And we don't even represent it. And I was like, don't let Ron Allen make some money. And yeah. they said, what do you mean? Because I will make a black Hall of Fame of skateboarding. But who started this Hall of Fame? See, that's Who the thing. are these guys that are picking this? That's it's what I'm like- saying. It just seems to me like I don't really believe in Hall of Fames in the sense of it. But if you're going to have one, and you're, you should represent everybody. You Absolutely. should You know, you should represent women. They have women in there. That's good. They, they Peggy Oakey mm-hmm. and the lady who was on the cover of, I think, Life magazine. I oh, remember yeah. they've, they've done some inductions for them. Patty uh, McGee. Pa- yeah, Patty McGee. Uh-huh. They've had inductions of you know, Latino men. They've had Asian yeah. men. Every, and yet, when it comes to black people, and, they, and this man, Bobby G, called me up one night. And he was trying to talk to me about, he had heard that they had some uh, Hall of Fame vote that I was in. And I was like, I, I won't go. And he goes, You won't? I said, Nah, I won't go until you put Marty Grimes, Steve Statham, until you put those three dudes, until you put Chris, until Chuck Treece, Marty Grimes, and Steve Statham, I will not accept any Hall of Fame. And they're like, And he's like, Why? I go, Because they, to me, deserve to be before me. That's and it's like, I'm, I, I couldn't do it. I go, I would stand up on stage and give them my trophy. Yeah. I might even bring a jigsaw and cut it in three, so that that each one goes to each dude. Because to me, one of the things about Ron Allen that I'm all 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 through all the stories and everything, man, I'm fucking still having fun doing this shit, man. Oh, yeah. Fuck, that's what's so crazy to me. Like it's still like I, I'm 56 years old, going, fuck yeah. I landed a trick the other day. It was like barely like I learned a trick the other day that the filmer called me up the next morning and was like, I can't fucking believe you did that shit. And I'm like. I did that shit. And he's like, fuck, dude, you're fifty-six. And I'm like, I know, dude. Isn't that crazy? He goes, Would you think that he goes, when you first started skating, did you think you'd be landing tricks like this at fifty six? I go, I didn't even think I'd be skating at fifty six when yeah. I started and now here I am. And I, I'm like, Absolutely. We have no few fu- we don't know what our future is gonna be when no. it comes to that. We'd have yeah. no clue. And that's what but I do like that. I do like the fact that at this age, there's such a reality of that it's not over until you decide it's over mm-hmm. still. It, and that's, I'm telling you, like all these other sports, they be fucking it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they be like seriously fucking it up. Like,
0: Well, that's kind of what I wanted to kind of end with is you keep yourself in fucking really good shape. What are your What do you do? Like what's your tips for somebody getting older to keep it going?
1: Smoke Hell of weed. Like, do you do yoga
0: or I do workout yoga, or jog or I do
1: yoga. Definitely yoga mm-hmm. helps. Um I do hundred push ups every day. Oh, okay. Do you I eat, eat like, meat and everything? I eat everything. Oh. Like, you know, I'm always like I'm broke skater sometimes and like I'm trying to stay away from sugars. Like you can see honey in my coffee and like mm-hmm. just there's like there's seven different um def- like there's like seven different things that you can use to keep you away from cancer. And I'm not trying to like advocate them, but I think it's like garlic, pineapple, ginger, you know, those types of things. I keep those in my diet. Like I'm kind of hyper, you know, and I think people think that the hyper is based off of drugs, like cocaine or speed or something. And they don't realize that my parents, when I was a kid, my parents had like, they had choices. They were like, you know, we could give them Ritalin, you know, we can give them the drugs that the teachers say that'll calm them down. Or we could say, nah, but we can threaten him, so my parents would be like, "If you fuck up, we gonna give you them drugs." I mean, no, they're like, "We gonna give you some Ritalin?" No, you know, and I'd be like, "No, I don't want no drugs." So they're like, "Well, then you better, better, you know, straighten up, fly right." All right, cool. Because in the Central Valley, there's been like really cool things like that, and then there's been really uncool things like in the city of Taft, they put out black people, took all their fucking stuff, and took it to the freeway. Whoa! So it's time for you to leave now. Like two families. Where is that? Taft is like a little town right before you get to Bakersfield. Like Wasco area? Wasco, exactly. You heard of the Wasco clown?
0: What's the Wasco clown? It's some dude that dressed up like a clown and hung out in Wasco at night with like uh, balloons. And then all of a sudden he had an Instagram and it was like, this mysterious dude that no one knew but if he was freaking out everybody there's a documentary about it it's insane
1: oh my god
0: because okay there's a gnarly prison
1: like right outside of it i used to take the bus i used to take the fucking g-dog to wasco to like go to santa barbara okay and the bus would drop you off like at a four wall cinder brick Like, there was no fucking bus terminal. It was like a four-wall, like, cinderbrill walk, like a little hut. And then you'd wait, and then the other bus would come. So as a kid, you know, going back to UC Santa Barbara, Uh I'm sitting at this bus. (laughs) Thing, like, fucking whatever, you know. And I look up, and there's this fucking clown dude that you're talking about. But he's... Hella far down the road like he's not close, but he's hella far with the old balloons. No, way. and I'm like Wow, I got to go back to college Like I'm going back to college. I got to tell my friends about this fucking clown thing And then I told people like oh dude, I saw this clown He had balloons and stuff and people are like you you're tripping there And then now you're telling me the story and I'm like, oh my god it totally fills my wasco story like oh my fucking god that is uh, so yeah. crazy that is crazy and then there was the golden gate killer that started
0: from visalia yes yeah so there's i mean th- that
1: area is pretty fucking
0: well because it's because okay, well, it's
1: the, nothing out there you know what i mean like
0: i just trip on the dude that works at the gas station that's like 90 miles away from anywhere like Okay, it takes you an hour and a half to drive here if you live in the closest town and then you're just out
1: like, I mean, just out, And you're like, like, okay, we went to Greenfield like that. Uh-huh to skate park there in yeah. Greenfield
0: with a clover bowl. Yeah Yeah,
1: and like like it was like whoa, no one's here yeah. And so we went to the local restaurant. No one's there. Then we went to the hotel spent the night got up went to the coffee spot no one was there and then i asked lenny where is everybody and she goes oh it's a farm town it's a it's a farm worker town and there's nothing to farm right now yeah i'm like what do you mean she goes like if there were she goes if it was in season this place would be like raging i used to go down there a lot cuz
0: i worked for think so i would go Meet Jesse Paez. Um oh. We would go to Hanford. Okay, that's the, a good park, too. Yeah, dude. So, first time I ever met Jesse was at Hanford. Me and Poncho Muller went down. And Poncho knew him already, and I was like, sick. I knew Jesse was a rad skater, but I never got to meet him. We went to Hanford, and he just fucking put on the the demo. You're just like, this dude's the baddest dude oh, ever. Oh, yeah. Like, huge tray flips over the hip every time. Like, he just had dial frontside flips. And just skating strong and power, it was sick. But yeah, I've been down to that area a lot. That's and, so rad. I yeah. grew up down by Visalia. Orange, orange, Orange Cove, Visalia. Yeah. and there's that huge uh, handrail in Fresno that uh, Ryan ground. That's like kind of circular.
1: Oh, that's a, it's at the city hall there, yeah, at um, that the so. municipal building, something uh-huh. like that. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Dude, I just looked at a crazy handrail in this? In this, I My girl was like, "We gotta go to this roast." garden and it's like a 50 stair handrail and it's fucking long I was like she's like are you gonna do this and I was oh. like thinking about it and but it's crazy it goes duh and then literally right down the center it dips down oh it comes back up oh and I'm like god that just makes it even sicker like that just it just it's like ah oh. and she's like why are you freaking out I'm all because by the time you get there you're going so fast, fast that it's either gonna make it sick that you somehow made it through it yeah. or you're
2: gonna you're just done. get wrecked <laughs> yeah. she was
1: like really and so i go yeah that's a caveat like the other guy i have a friend Kier, and he always says that to me he's like he will come over to me and go got a ledge kickflip into a bank and i'm like oh dude sick." And he goes but i got a caveat what's the caveat it's uh soft What's soft? <laughs> the landing. <laughs> the bank is in a kid's fucking uh, playground. What, care? Yeah, dude. Ledge is perfect cement. Perfect ledge into a bank. Just got to land soft. Ooh. Like, what do you mean land soft? Well, you're landing on soft. <laughs> Can't land hard. What do you mean? Because you'll fall. Like, what the fuck? And so we go there and I look and I'm like, oh, here. And I do it. Like, I kickflip. I remember I kickflip, land. Roll away and there was a man in the park and he got up and gave me a high five he goes, I saw you struggle with that. Because you, you could like you kick flip and you could land. I think yeah. you land perfect. Yeah. But if you just pushed a little too hard on the front, you fall. Or if you push too hard on the back, it was soft. So you're landing on sponge. And I remember when I landed, I was like, just stay this way. And I was like, I did it. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that was the hardest kickflip I've ever landed in my life. Can wow. flip into a sponge. I got
0: a, I got a spot like that by my house that I've looked at for like at least a year. Where I'm like, do you bring wood here? <laughs> like, <laughs> do I rip the turf off?
1: Because this thing looks so rad. If it was cement, and and, and I tell you, I the photo is sick. It's my friend Keir shot it. Robert is literally filming me. Like, so my friend Robert's filming me, and Keir shot the photo. So that's like even like epic because those are the homies that film me and stuff yeah. and well. And I'm like, damn, dude, that was really like, that was hard, but it was rad. But it was hard, but it was cool. That you I know? mean,
0: that's when it's the best. Yeah, like
1: if it's easy, you're like, I'll just do it again tomorrow. Like, I, y- yeah, you know, I got, these I got, once in a lifetime scenarios are the ones we live for. I tell you, I Tadashi and I, like Tadashi, one time was like, he called me up and he goes, so we gotta shoot this cre- creation ad, and um, so I was thinking, you know, we'd go to the Ron Allen Gap. And I was like, what the fuck is the Ron Allen Gap, dude? Like, what are you, who are you talking to? Yeah. And he goes, you don't call it the Ron Allen Gap? I go, no, dude, I don't. he goes, one on Colby and Claremont. I go, yeah, I call it the Green Gap. He goes, the Green Gap? I go, they always paint their yard green. It's the Green Gap, dude. And yeah. he's like, okay, well, you want to shoot a photo there? And I was like, yeah. So we get there, and he goes, so what were you thinking? I was looking, I was like, I'm thinking maybe backside flip. He goes, Clint Peterson. I was like, okay, Frontside Flip said somebody else's name. and said, uh, I mentioned like three or four more tricks and he kind of knew every trick that had gone over there. I was like, oh, fuck. So I was like, okay, well, I got a trick for the thing. I was was fucking going to late shove it. He's all, you're going to late shove it the gap? And I'm like, I'm going to try. So I get back in the street, fucking charge, charge, charge. Try to late shove it. I see after 150 tries. Tadashi says, you've tried 150 tries. I say, I know, dude. I'm like sweating, just like wet, sweaty. And he's like, you don't have to do this, dude. It's cool. And I kind of go, dude, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like it's a trip to me because I'm just going way too fast and I'm flying way far over it and it's just not what I'm used to. And so we kind of are walking back across the street and I go, Oh, my God. And he's like, what? I go, do you have a screwdriver in your car? And he goes, screwdriver? I said, like a flathead or even like a? He goes, yeah, I got a Phillips head. It's like, dude, can I get it? And he goes, what are you going to do? And I go, fucking someone fucking bondoed the fucking handicap thing. And he goes, and? And I go, well, OK, let me explain to you. This is a street spot. And he goes, what are you doing? And I go, OK, the street spot. You have to have, this, there's been a handicap thing in front of the street spot for years. And he goes, yeah. And so when Bondo did it, I go, you don't need Bondo. He goes, huh? I go, you push nine to 10 times, and then you hit the three stripes, and that's the speed to get over the thing. And he's all, oh, what? <laughs> and I go, you know, I've been skating this for years. Yeah. yeah this, you push 10 times, and you hit the handicap stripes, and they slow you down for the speed over any trick. As long as you hit those handicap stripes, after 10 pushes, you're going to make. Uh-huh. He's like. You have skated this a lot. Like, you have broken it down. I go, yeah. "Yeah." And then third try, made a late show over it. Damn. And he was like, "You, you really needed that? I go, dude, I've been skating this for fucking 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. I've never skated this with it being smooth. That was fucking me up. And so, like, I land it, I come back, and he goes, whose gap is it now? It's the wrong other gap, yeah. motherfucker. You know what I mean? At that point, yeah. I was like, okay, it is my gap, because I, I, actually, I actually know that there's a subtlety that someone, whoever bondos it, makes it so you can start dead in the middle of the street. But who can start there? Yeah. Plus, you get a light, which is another very kind of crazy thing, because you have a light that most people are taking the left. They're leaving BART, and they're going to the freeway. So most people are taking the left. It's the uh. rare person that takes the right to go up Claremont. So I would always see, you'd see eight cars. You'd see eight signals, eight lights. Duh, uh. duh, and so you'd go, I can go when the light's green. Or you'd see seven, meaning one of those cars is taking a right. Like all their left signals are going. Yeah, there's a lot of strategy. So much strategy. Yeah. Like, and I would That's be like sc-
0: Hillbomb and you, you wait till the light is change in so that it's green by the time you get to, you know
1: exactly yeah. exactly and those those are the subtleties of street skating right that is what I hope is never ever forgotten because that's really when you talk about street skating being gone that's what will be gone the subtleties there'll be stuff to skate always But we we as skaters, we gotta make sure that they they can't make us stay in the parks and they can't make us street is really what is important to us. Like I think that what we're gonna realize is is we're gonna get further away from street. Because if you look at the courses they build, if you look at everything that they make for skateboarding, and they call street a handrail. Mm -hmm. When street is a lot of street is gaps, a lot of street is like crazy quirky rough things, you know, like Bobby Pulio style y, you know, grimy stuff. And those things like you can do a kickflip on it and it looks sick because it's so grimy. You know, like I like I I see the stuff that Bobby Worris skates a lot in DC because I'm always out there and I'm yeah. like, fuck, that dude has a knack for finding this the grittiest, grimiest, yeah. sickest spot, you know? Bobby's a shit. I, mean, I know Bob to me, Bobby Worris, <laughs> I had a like I got a chance to hang with him this last time I was there and I was like he sent something to this kid, and it, man, that was fucking cool, man. Like he sent something. There's this kid. His his hand his Instagram handle is Finn the Kirk, but this kid's like, he's really into skating, and he goes to Pulaski and he skates super hard. And Bobby, I guess, sees him do that, and Bobby was like. Telling him, man, I fucking think it's right that you go to Pulaski and skate as hard as you do because a lot of people go there and get fucked up and not really trying to, you know, trying to party. And he goes, It's good that you go there and still skate. Sure. And I was like, Damn, Bobby, that's hella nice. And he goes, No, this dude, like, This dude needs to hear this so he doesn't get discouraged because he goes, Dudes at these, you know, at the park, sometimes they're just fucking wasted down there. You're yeah. like, Oh, dude, that's true. Like, I remember the days of the EMB mm-hmm. where if you're hanging out at the spot, chances are you're. Fucked up at the spot. Yeah, so you're not really skating, you know. Yeah. So he was talking to Finn the Kirk, like, dude, that's right. That you're you're not letting the spot. Like, and, and the kid's really good. Like, shout out to like, Finn the Kirk. Shout and out, no, man. <laughs> They're clowning Pulaski Pooch because they go, you don't know nigga's name, <laughs> and Pulaski Pooch is like, I know, I know there, I know there is the handles, and he's like, like that. You don't know his name. His name's Scott. He goes, no, oh. that's Burn One Three. <laughs> Oh my and God! It was it. And so, just recently, my my girl I'm going out with, she goes, oh, "You you don't know his name?" And I go, "I know his Insta handle. His, his name is Insta it's Echo Art 16." She goes, "What's his name?" And I'm like, "I think his name's John." <laughs> She's <laughs> like, "You don't even know his name? Like you're just making up right now?" I was <laughs> like, "I was like, I am. <laughs> to you know, but his name. I, I hope his name is John." But yeah. it's just funny to me. I'm like. We have come to a society, oh, a balanced yeah. society, where we do not know people's first names. We know their handles.
0: At first, we didn't know their phone numbers. Now, we don't even know their names. don't even care. We have no <laughs> names. Yeah. We have
1: just... Who you, Finn the Kirk? Finn the Kirk means to me that you're Finn the Kirk out. Like, you're... Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's amazing. And this kid
1: is so cool, man. Finn the Kirk is probably one of the funniest, coolest kids in D.C. because he just likes skateboarding. He's like... I guess he was—he's from Tampa, Florida, or something like that—and he was down there, and things didn't work out. And he moved back up to DC, and he's just a skateboard existentialist. Just skates hard, has—you know—he rides for some company, and but he's super religious. And yeah. I'm always like, dude, you don't need to be that religious. You ride a skateboard. Yeah. You know, this is your religion. Right. You know, I have the shirt on Thrasher. The new American religion or whatever. New (laughs) Worldwide religion. That's Mark. Yeah. How was Mark doing? Did you get a chance to see him?
0: Yeah, it was sick. We went up uh, top. So he had the art gallery. I think it's called Shandon. It's uh, downtown. It was like a VIP upstairs situation after. And they had this like one of those swimming pools. It's like a little tub, but it has so much current that you can swim in place. Like, it's only like 10 feet wide. Oh, yeah. So you get in it, and you swim, and the current's going against you, so you're swimming in place. And Mark was not shy. He's like, should I get in there? And he's pants off, boxers, he just dives in, he's swimming in there. He's like, it's cool, because I swim all the time in New York, and I haven't had a chance to do it here, so I'm doing it here. He's the best. I mean, I try to explain to my girlfriend, who doesn't know a lot about skateboarding, which I prefer, and... uh I'm like, this is Mark Gonzalez and there's only one in the world outside of skateboarding, inside of skateboarding, anything. He is Mark Gonzalez. And that's all I can say. Like, I can't catch you up to speed with why he is, but he is just the guy that makes you kind of tickled inside when you're around him. I had the, privilege to film um, some crooked stuff with him and jerobo and some different experiences where I'm like, I'm with fucking Mark right now. yeah like Mark picked us up from the hotel and drove us around LA and showed us like his childhood spots and we went to a shop and like had these moments where I was like this is everyday shit to him. This is the best week I'll ever have in my entire oh my life. God, like yes. I'll never forget this. Yeah,
1: like I was like the girl I go out I like, She's always saying I'm having a moment, and uh-huh. I'm like, that's a moment. Yeah, that is a fucking moment. Like
0: I got a lot of photos. Luckily, that's what I do is shoot photos and film. So I was getting a lot of the moments um, documented, and every once in a while, I'll just pull it
1: out and look through it, and I'll be like. I think it's still best week ever. Oh, man. I'm sure. Yes. I'm like, I mean, because is to me, has always been like, he's just an icon. He, he just, whenever he sees me, he's always really nice to me. And he's always like, like, I couldn't go to his art show because I, I, I can't, like, I can't do those things with him. Like, I would go and it would be like, him and I have seen each other and struck up conversations with the rest of the world that's gone by and him and I are talking about something. And, like, we'll just, like, keep talking and people sure. will be like, Ron, Mark. Like, uh, yeah, it's like it's just very inspirational. Like, it's almost as like kind of like the Jim Febo, you know? Like, yeah, just like they just like he said, You still skate, he said, You still street skate, and everybody that we used to street skate with is either dead or can't even walk, and you still street skate. Yeah, I said, Yeah, he goes, That's fucking rad. That's all I had to say to me, man. Like, Uh, he's he's the best, and his art to me is like. I love is like i would buy crooked boards and put them on the walls like they're just so they're so they're so deep there's so many things he says in his crooked boards that like i think skateboard wise like i'm like he's getting away with saying some deep shit. uh-huh like he's like but then he, but he's not doing that like he's just doing it he's not like yeah like i saw this matt hensley copy board he did like a matt hensley Eight street board that was like matt swinging on the sign or whatever uh-huh. and it was like that board was sick. I was like, dude, I would love to have both of those boards uh, on the wall, like next to each other. Yeah. And the Henley original with the Mark Gons, like, you know. Yeah. But then, and then like that, where you see, I can't believe Vision is still, Vision is still running that Mark Gonzalez without putting his name and not giving him a check. That right there, I was like, don't let me buy that board and just cut a bunch of them in half, because that's some bullshit.
0: That's a whole other subject, but how do companies think they're going to make these iconic graphics (laughs) without the dude's name on them? I heard, uh, like, some shit about this company that was trying to get all their legends to sign uh, contracts so that they could do that legally. I don't even think you could pay me for that. Like, this is my shit. yeah, Yeah. Like, I probably have this graphic tattooed on me. Yeah or at least like insane memories right, and that you, I don't want it to be at Walmart without my name on it so you can make a bazillion dollars. Oh my. See, it's right. like, come on, you guys are making plenty of money. You made
1: your money yeah. then. Yeah. Why Like this. You, back in the day when the board was first out, that's what. That's funny that we're saying that because that's what we're kind of talking about with, we had to talk to Tony Mango about that with H Street. We're like, look, Ron, by being that dude, George, and by being the guy that's talking to these shops and promoting himself, he's selling your board at a time in 1987 and 88 when nobody was selling your board. Your board was another company's board that would sit there on the shelf, and then if someone made that, made some sort of distinction to it, it was just another board on the shelf. Ron sort of made the board by calling and being this dude made that board significant to those kids who then bought that board, who then from buying that board put revenue back into your company. So now here we are in 2019, 2015 reality. Ron shouldn't have to pay or do anything. He already did. Yeah. He, He already put your company where, so now all you're doing is, if you're gonna make a board for him, you write a check, and you send it to him and you say, Ron, thank you so much. We're going to make 50 of these and they're going to be this much and we're going to give you this much. It, it's very simple. Easy. It's a simple process. And that's and but then you know what? And thank God there are shops like Uprise and there are shops like Cowtown. And yeah. there are shops Like there are shops. like there Cowtown yeah. and Uprise. Yeah. For well, that, that, they won't they won't fuck with you unless you're paying that dude. Right, so they're not going to go and buy that guns from Vision because they know he's not getting paid for it. Sick. That's there needs to be more shops like that. I remember when the Gator board, when Gator did his thing. I remember a distributor who will remain nameless. They were like, got those Gator boards, really? Yeah, I mean, you know, there was a dude in
0: Delaware. I forget what the name is. They're making the Gator graphic right now, and instead of Gator, it says Lady Killer. And they're making money off that, and I'm like, "Dude,
1: that's wrong,
0: dude. That's you're wrong. making money off fucking. That's have wrong. you watched Stoked?
1: Watch Stoked. Yeah, like, if you and then tell Stoke, me that you want to yeah. like make a joke of that or nah, whatever it what is. What the fuck yeah. is your brain at? Like, that, like I remember there was a kid. There used to be a kid in Berkeley. His name was Thomas, and we used to call him Old School because Thomas. Now he was like one of them skaters. He could do every old school trick. Right. He could do all good buddies, all the old school tricks. So it was sick. Yeah. So one day he shows up at skate park, Berkeley Park, and he's got like an old gator. And he tr- flips it over goes, Ron, what do you think of this? And I was like, You don't know the story. And he goes, I don't. And I said, No, nope, because if you knew the story, you wouldn't flip it over like this. What do you think of this? Yeah. And he goes, What do you mean? I go, Mark Gator Rogowski. Just go look him up and then come back and talk to me. And he's like, Okay, whatever. A couple of days later, he's like, Fuck, dude. Yeah. Really, dude? And I'm like, Really? And he oh, goes, man. He goes, I basically was on a murderer's board. And I was like, well. Yes. and Yeah, you were. And he's like, <laughs> he goes, I basically was like repping a murderer. I was like, well, you didn't know, dude. I mean, you know, you didn't know. And he goes, yeah. but he goes, dude, that was fucking gnarly. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, and, and like. How they're selling, uh, it's just. Well, like- that's the thing. It's like, you're selling Gator. Like, okay, my friend Dennis Martinez went to Gator oh, in prison. Really? And said, I heard he out. changed his name. Has a had a cut from ear to ear. Gator did. Someone tried to murder him, for sure. You know, you fuck with, they don't like you killing little kids and murdering women in yeah. prison. So he got that. So, and then Gator, like, Martinez went to see him. But then when the, he's a pastor, so when a pastor sees you, that means someone in your family died. So Gator was tripping, trying to figure out who in his family died. And then pastor was like there to see him. So it wasn't anybody died. So, so it was kind of awkward. I was like, yeah. I'm like, damn, how's he doing? He's like, he's, he's as good as he can be. You know, he's thinking they're looking at parole this year or something soon. And I think but, he
0: gets out in three
1: years, maybe. Yeah, and, but the mom of the lady, or the mom is, keeps coming. She comes to every one of the parole hearings. She I would hope so. She doesn't want him to cut out, you know. And Well, fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I remember my friend Scott's mom going, well, I'm going to build this addition onto the house, and I need some people to work for me. And she's like, I want to hire you guys. And we're like, what? And she goes, and everybody, like she hired, there was four of us skateboarders. And all the professional people was like, you hired a bunch of those skateboarders? They're a bunch of losers, man. They're going to hit their fingers with nails, hit their fingers with hammers and quit. And we wind up, she told us that. She literally pulled us aside and she said, all the professional people told me that I'm so whack for hiring you guys, a bunch of kids, you don't know what you're doing. And so I really need you guys to think, and we killed it. Like we put her admission in exposed beams in the ceiling, put in her. If we did redid the kitchen, everything. It was just like building a ramp. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like most of the stuff had to be framed in. Felt just like building a ramp, you yeah. know. And so at the end, all the professional people fucked up. <laughs> like the electrician, he didn't he, during his final test. He had to fucking fix something. The plumber had to fix something, and we that. were standing there like yeah we're gonna hit our fucking yeah. hand with a hammer and quit. Uh. it was so rad it was that so, was like and and she wando O'Bradovich, scott's mom was dope about it because she told us she could have kept that to herself like you know like these guys they they don't think you guys going to do it and we were like fuck that we're going to do it yeah, i'm a skateboarder i jump into new fields all the time you know and like I, when i was in the app thing i was like the the guy i'm working with was like you know you, you should try to go and, and learn apps and i go Oh yeah, I took two tutorials and then I am enrolled in a class. He's like, Well, I was just (laughs) I was just gonna tell you to like, you know, pick up a book or something and read it. He goes, You like immersed yourself into it. I was like, Well dude, you know, I understand about you know, coding it's the basic the basics of of what we're trying to do. And he goes, Yeah. He goes, So you really understand now? I I go, that shit's fucking hard, dude. Yeah. And he goes, well, it's just telling the thing to do what it needs to do all the time. I said, yeah, but. In a whole different language. Yeah. And he's all, he's all, he starts laughing. And he goes, so I go, so we're going to have to hire somebody? He goes, no, that's what I do. Oh, So I'm like, oh, I go, now I see. I get it. I go, I came to you with a great idea and you wanted to program. And he goes, totally. Yeah. I'm like, this is a match made in heaven. We are also told in this world there's these ways we have to go and these directions that we have to be. And it's like, why not just the direction that feels most comfortable to you is the direction that you make. As opposed right. to, like, i just seen a lot of people whose parents and stuff have told, like, once again, it gets back to those parents. Parents tell them, you know, you got to do this way. Got to go to high school. Get your college degree. This, and some people are not built that way. No, They are completely built like to go not that way, to go the opposite way and somehow get that way. So I I just, I wanna make sure that people understand that like the path to it doesn't mean that you follow what everybody wants, it's you follow what you do. And I think that's really key. I mean, and I think that's what skateboarding's taught me. I think that, and that helps you in music, because when I was telling you about art, you can't paint a painting for someone, you sure as fuck can't make a song that someone's gonna like. You just gotta make them and hope they like them. And if they don't, they'll let you know too. I mean, I really hope that people criticize and as critical as they get, let's not forget to support people. Exactly. You know what I mean? You can be as critical as you want to, but go buy the record. Be as critical as you go buy the art piece. Because at the end of the day, that's really why it's being done. Yeah. It's not being done to for your aesthetic. If you're critical of it, whatever, that's your pick. But let's just hope that people support some of these artists and stuff. I know as an artist myself, it's it, to find support is amazing and when people do support you you feel like it's great yeah so absolutely i just i kind of wish that was a little bit more i think our society could do a little bit more better in that way for sure like support the art
0: well fuck, man episode 29 we just went off oh damn we got all that schmidt i'm fucking so hyped it was fucking <laughs> rad dude. I, honestly we could talk for hours oh dude we, more. Could, uh, we could. like i got so much other stuff i'm like we haven't really get into like a lot of things but maybe there'll be a part two i was gonna say you have to have a part two schmitty you but know I, what i'd like to do is end this with one of your jams oh dude because we didn't really get into the whole rapping thing and stuff which would definitely be probably how we'll start part two. But we'll end part one with one of your jams.
1: One of the jams. Okay, damn. So take it to the bridge. Take it to the bridge. <laughs> take it to the bridge. Take it to the bridge. Take it take it. Take it, take it. Yeah. Damn, I guess I I mean, shoot. I'll Oh, here's what I'll do. I'll I'll leave you with a freestyle. Um, oh. okay, I'll give you a, a little not even a freestyle, this is a verse off of one off my album, but I like this one a lot. Okay. Okay, so goes I was flowing in the conduit in the river of hip hop, schools of MCs, fishy moving on the nonstop, millions of types from sharks to sea bass, Dome swollen, they got that tank full of head gas, passed out, drunk on self, with characteristics stolen from somebody else's shelf, stealing, revealing, bullshit talk of wheeling and dealing emulations of wackness with not much appealing. And Tell's got a feeling on this subject. It seems like all of us MCs are headed for the bottleneck. So take time to work upon your tax. I'm just an MC with intellect and these are just my specs. You do your own research. Consider this to be a dark tunnel but I got the torch enlightening, brightening through third eye incandescence. Check the eloquence, intelligence. What? <laughs> Only on Talkin' Schmidt. <laughs> I'm Talkin' Schmidt. I'm Talkin' Schmidt.
0: <laughs> Fuck, I love you, man. Thank you so much. Dude,
1: right back at that you, Smitty. radical. In the love of it all, oh, I'm so excited to do this. Can you
0: give me a This is Ron Allen and you're listening to Talkin' Schmidt?
1: Yes. This is Ron Allen and you are listening to Talkin' Schmidt. Yeah. <laughs> And we outta here! Peace. Peace!
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Talkin' Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews in a 5-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow up them charts. All the episodes will always remain free to my listeners. But if you'd like to help support the show, you can do so at our website, TalkinSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like stickers, beanies, hats, possibly even a t-shirt. The website has an entire archive of the episodes with extra photos and sometimes even video. If you have personal pics of our Talkin Schmidt guests, please send them to me at epicallytrife at yahoo.com, and maybe your photo will end up on the site, or better yet, on Talkin' Schmidt's Instagram account. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by me, Schmidt. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature, and a special shout-out goes to my executive director, Cheryl Camisa. Shout-out. Until next week, this is Talkin' Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper. Talkin' Schmidt. Talkin' Schmidt. Talkin' Schmidt.